You're listening to Omega Man Radio. T minus 10, 9, 8, and the clock is operating. We're underway. The show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. sure you'll find a bunch. They're roosting all over God's people. They're binding them down. They're choking them off. And somebody has to care because people are bound. And if it isn't the chosen of God, I don't know who's going to care. If it isn't those whom God has called out, if they don't care enough to lay their lives on the line, I don't know who's going to do it. The sad scripture says, I looked for a man and I found none. God looked for a man. He couldn't find anybody. Everybody was doing their own thing. God is calling a people to war. All out war. A war in which no quarter is given and no quarter is asked. The order of the day remains. Attack, attack, attack. That's God's marching order. And that's our marching order here on Omega Man Radio. Tonight is a live program. I'm glad to be back with you. It's a pleasure and honor to uh, be able to do a program each and every night. For those of you that are new to the program, we have a show every night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 5 p.m. Pacific. For those of you out on the West Coast, that's Monday through Friday. And then Saturday, we are starting uh, a new time. We are on the air at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, leading up till 10 that's followed by Watchman Radio at uh, 11 p.m. Excuse me, at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. to midnight. So uh, I've got a great program for you tonight. First out, we're going to have Benjamin Brook. It's a pleasure to have Benjamin back on. Uh, We've been doing a program with Benjamin for some months now, every week. And then, of course, I was on the road uh, for the funeral and uh, getting some personal affairs straightened out. And uh, now we're going to get him back on a regular time slot. We're going to have Benjamin on tonight, and uh, John Kyle is going to be with us now on Friday evenings. We moved him to Friday. He'll be on 
tomorrow night, uh, Pastor John Kyle with the Oasis Church, Oasis Ministries out in Billings, Montana. In fact, I was talking to Brother Kyle pre-show and um, and encouraging him to uh, take the Oasis Church to a daily program to spread the word. You know, there's so few of us out there that uh, are willing to talk about the full gospel of Jesus Christ and then actually do it. That uh, I told the brother, you know, time's precious. Uh, I would encourage you to go from just one time a week with me to every night uh, on the Oasis Church. He would do the Oasis Church plus do a Mega Man radio once a week. And, uh, you know, we need all the people out there we can that are willing to, to preach the truth because there's a lot out there that are willing to preach heresy. Like today, I was uh, in Yahoo, and I heard about this Episcopalian preacher. goes by the name Rob Bell, and he believes everyone goes to heaven. He doesn't believe in hell. Folks, I don't know what Bible he's reading then. Maybe it's the Book of Islam. I don't know. But if you don't believe that uh, hell exists, then um, you've got a rude awakening when the Spirit leaves the body, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, the belief is with this universal whatever they call it, universal um, salvation. I don't know. There's a name for this doctrine. You know, you could go out there and do anything you want to do and still make the heaven. Well, if that's the case, then why even accept Jesus Christ? Why not just do your own thing? Kill people, steal, rob some banks. Um, go to the strip club every night. Go out there and gamble and cheat and drink and do drugs and all the things that the world likes to do. Because you're still going to go to heaven, according to Rob Bell. And we rebuke that man in Jesus Christ's name. He's leading people to hell with that heresy. So when you hear people like that, you need to tune them off. And it's unfortunate, but they have a large following. So I went over there and rebuked him myself today. I told him to step down if he can't preach the truth. Went to the laundromat today to wash some clothes. Went up on the bulletin board. There's this big sign. It says, uh, come out and learn about Ekinkar. How to love God. You think, well, love God. That's not bad. Till you realize what Ekinkar is. It's soul travel, astral projection. It's witchcraft. It's making a comeback. There's even a new movie out right now that it talks about soul travel, astral projection. Folks, you know, apostasy abounds right now. That's why the, the, the true gospel needs to be preached, and we've got to go into high gear because people are dying because no one would stand in the gap or tell them the truth. Well, I want to welcome all of you again to this live program tonight. Let's see who's in the chat room tonight. We've got three million. We've got Brother Louie. I see Chris P. Dalton. Desperate to be delivered. That's right. The desperate do get delivered. Diane Goodyear. Welcome aboard. Firebearer. Jesus Made Me. Hungry Shark. All the way from Ireland. Joe Tam. Kater. Minion One. Nathan. Navy Prince. Nice Chris. Rev One. Rusty. Charlie. Shake Knight. I think you're new to the program. Welcome aboard. Sierra Rock. And that's just the ones I can see. Praise God. If you're new to the program, we welcome you aboard. I want to mention that uh, at the conclusion of each program, we do an MP3 that you can download off of iTunes or go over to our website, OmegaManRadio.com, and download it there. But don't forget to click on Follow the Program, which is uh, you'll find here in the Blog Talk uh, website, blogtalkradio.com slash OmegaManRadio, because that will alert you to each and every program that we have scheduled. And a lot of these programs I schedule on the fly, although we do the program every night, sometimes I wait to the last minute to put in the episode information and to announce the guest. And so that way you'll never miss it. You'll, you won't have to wonder, well, are we doing a show tonight or not? Well, praise God. 
Well, without further ado, we're going to get uh, Benjamin Brook on tonight. His website is Benjamin, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N, Brook, B-A-R-U-C-H, dot com. Benjamin, welcome to the program tonight, brother. God bless you. Hey, Shannon. Good to be back. Amen. Brother, um, would you honor us tonight and open up this program in prayer? Absolutely. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we do not rely on our own understanding. And we don't trust in the arm of flesh, nor do we look to the sons of men. But we look to you. We look to our Lord Jesus Christ. We look to you, Father God. And our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. And Lord, we pray that you would anoint this program tonight, that your word of truth would come forth, that you give us ears to hear, hearts to obey, eyes to see what is about to come upon our land. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor because it is yours and yours alone. For you alone are the Holy One. From everlasting, Lord, to everlasting. You came into this world as a man, but you are God. You're coming again as God to deal with the children of men. You're first going to come to your own. Your judgment begins in our house. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be made ready. We thank you, Lord, that your word of truth is going to be exalted, that your name is going to be lifted up, that the nations will tremble at the sound of your voice. Give you praise and glory, and we pray, Lord, you would be with us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to have you back. I had a lot of uh, people, even last night, saying, when's Brother Benjamin coming back? And I said, we're going to get a hold of him and get him back on the show. Uh, people well, appreciate the, the truth, brother, that you bring. Well, hallelujah. You know, there's a remnant out there that rejoices at the hearing of the word of the Lord. Amen. And um, hallelujah. You know, every other word's going to pass away. But the word of our God will abide forever. So, Shannon, how are you doing? Brother, I'm uh, I'm sitting here just saying, where is this year going, man? It's already almost May. You know what? Half the year is just about gone. Um, price of silver went up to forty-five dollars an ounce. You know? Yeah. Well, People are dying know, left and right. A, What's going been on? It's kind of a fun year already. I mean, if you think about it, you know. I remember New Year's Day, two thousand and eleven. You know, and and the world was looking forward with cautious optimism. You know, to the hope of. Better days ahead, right? And as 2011 rang out its first month, the world was filled with riots and revolution and political upheavals and the Middle East is burning and all the old dictatorship regimes are turning and, and you know, by early March, the earthquakes started quaking and tsunamis started rolling and you know, now we got nuclear rain, and we've got uh, radiated snow, and we got all kinds of deadly isotopes covering not just the western United States, but really the whole country and ultimately the whole world. Is a nuclear meltdown is in process and continuing. 
in Japan, and, and so, uh, and of course, our own government. We got our Federal Reserve. You know, they're uh, little ben, Benny Bernanke. You know, he's running on his hamster wheel, spitting out all this like a roll of toilet paper. The dollars are just flowing, and and, and it's like an ocean of just counterfeit currency. You know, if another billion won't do, maybe a trillion will solve your problem, right? And and in the process, oil prices are exploding, food prices exploding, silver and gold now moving to record highs, and the dollar on its way to record lows. And you know, taken separately, um, these facts and statistics, and you know, the events of our time should be sufficient to alarm you. Something's up. This is not your father's Oldsmobile. But you know what? If you've got the eyes to see through the revelation of God's prophetic word, it is so obvious that we are marching towards Megiddo. You know, the nations shannon are being gathered. You know, they're beating their plowshares into swords. And they're preparing their armories and they're equipping their soldiers. And they're standing in their pride. We are about to go to the Valley of Decision, aren't we? Hallelujah. Man, Good thing sure for us, we've already made a decision that Jesus Amen. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life for us. And uh, we're not going to marvel after the beast, you know, this beast that's rising. And, uh, and what a lying machine it is, too, isn't it, Shannon? I mean, it promises freedom and it brings slavery. It promises to help the poor, and then it grinds all of the people into poverty. Now, every time it speaks, it lies. Whatever it has in its hand, it stole from another man. Now, it promises to provide peace and safety, and all it does is make more wars. It's quite an amazing, amazing thing to behold, isn't it? Man, it sure is. Out of the sea. It sure is. I was talking to a brother the other day, and he said um, now his employer is requiring him to go around with a a cell phone that uh, they'll track his every move on yeah, GPS. Yeah, your iPod and your iPhone can do that for you. Oh, my goodness. Or to you, really, because <laughs> you don't need to track your every move. You know where you've been. Right. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, in the time that's ahead of us, in some dark times or uh, later this year, you're going to need to lose the cell phone. You know? Brother, that's true. If you want to be um, private about your affairs, lose the cell phone. Unplug from the machine. But anyway, Shannon, what uh, what should we, um, what do you want to talk about? Well, I think we're talking about it and, uh, you know, what's going on? Um, Meltdown. Meltdown, brother. <laughs> it's, it's melting down. And, you know, I mean, I think about, um, uh, you know, I go back to that day in the summer of 2007 when I woke up and I looked and there was a poster on the wall of my bedroom that I had never seen before. Oh, I yeah. didn't hang this poster. And, I mean, this thing was like from the 1800s, you know. It, it had the old western type. And this was big, like, you know, you'd see... Um, you know, like advertising a movie or something at the cinema. And it was in that old Western type font. And I mean, it was, the paper was brown and broken on the edges, you know, like it was 200 years old. And it it was real 
simple. It read five weeks to the destruction of the fortress of imagination. No. And I, I looked at this and I thought, what in the world is that? And I closed my eyes and I shook my head because I had just literally woken up and sat up in bed. And I opened my eyes and it was gone. It wasn't on the wall anymore. And I jumped up and I ran and got the calendar and I counted out five weeks. And sure enough, five weeks was Rosh Hashanah, New Year's Day on the secular New Year. And that was 2007. And that, so this happened in, you know, like early August of the summer of 07. And it was right as the subprime real estate loans were just becoming an item of news. And, of course, our, you know, the officials of the beast system, you know, they showed up with their lies. Oh, it's only going to be a $20 billion problem. <laughs> We've lost $20 trillion so far. But the, their original, you know, assessment was $20 billion, And it would be no problem. It wouldn't even cause a recession. <laughs> the truth is it's thrown us into a depression that would be obvious to all if they weren't doping the system with all this uh, quantitative easing, which is a fancy word for counterfeit money. But you know, Shannon, the jig is up. You know, something that can't continue won't continue. And, you know, a, a relationship that's built on lies will not last. A foundation that's built on sand will not stand. And a nation that is traded... It's righteousness for the deeds that are now hidden in darkness is on a course of total collision. We are going to collide with reality. You cannot sustain a living standard for your own life, for your family, or for the community, for the state, or even for the country. You can't sustain your level of living standard by stealing and robbing your neighbors perpetually. You might get away with it for a little while, but the chickens come home to roost. And Shannon, I'd like to share with our audience um, a little bit of the latest in economic or financial intelligence report that comes out of Europe, and, and I'm referring to the Global European Anticipation Bulletin. Brother, well, that's what we need tonight because, you know, we're not getting the truth. No, the we're not getting the truth. News. Even Glenn and Beck, you know, Benjamin, that uh, what sometimes, um, you know, reveals some of the... He gets close. Glenn Beck gets close. You know? You know, what Glenn happened? Beck will get close to the truth, but they never let Glenn Beck really get all the way there. You know what I mean? They did. You know, they nipped him in the bud. He's gone now. Like many people have been dying. I was like, what happened? You know, he's gone? He's gone, man. They booted him. He's not even on Fox anymore? Oh, they released him. He's uh, he's off the air now. Wow. Okay, so yeah. maybe he got a little too close. Yeah, he started to uh, talk about the Federal Reserve and the conspiracy there and printing the money. And uh, I want to give it to you now. Oh, yeah. He, he was talking about the shell game. When you talk about quantitative easement, you know what came to mind? Hmm. Hospice. What do they do to people that uh, are critical with cancer? They put them on drugs. Yeah, they do, and they ease they them right them up. up they? And they just let them die. They starve them to death too, really. Oh man, that's the truth. 
Yeah, they do. Well, but they're drugged up, so they don't feel the pain so much. Are, are we being put under hospice care here in America in our financial you know, system? Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall anybody ever describing it like that. But, Shannon, that's perfect. America is in the last stages of hospice care, and the free republic and the capitalist system and the prosperity that we enjoyed that was the result of what America once was is all in the hospice right now. And it'll be dead before the end of this year. And so let me share a little bit of um, an executive summary from the GEAB report. And this just came out a couple days ago. And it says, the U.S. budget, the U.S. bond market, the U.S. dollar, these three represent the next American crises, which will cause the very great failure of the economic, financial, and monetary systems of the world. Last September, we announced in our headline, Spring 2011, Welcome to the United States of Austerity in the beginning of the race towards a very great failure or breakdown in the world's economic and financial and monetary systems. Last summer, most of the experts believed that the debate regarding the U.S. budget deficit would remain a subject of theoretical discussions only within the beltway of Washington, D.C. On the other hand, it was unthinkable to imagine that the United States would actually engage in a policy of austerity because it was assumed the Federal Reserve could continue to print dollars without limit. However, as everyone is now beginning to recognize, spring of 2011 has brought for the first time true austerity to the United States. And for the first time since the creation of the present global system, which arose after the Second World War, which was based on the ability of the United United States economy to generate continuously more wealth. At this time, LEAP can confirm that the next stage of the crisis will be, and Shannon, they use the terms, the very serious breakdown. What they mean to say, that's a nice way of saying the total collapse. Or, as the Lord said, the destruction of the fortress of imagination. We can confirm that the final destruction or the death of the patient that is in the hospice care home will occur by the fall of 2011. The monetary, financial, and economic and geopolitical consequences of this very great failure will be will be of a historic magnitude and show the crisis that we went through in the fall of 2008 for what it really was, merely the detonator for what lies ahead. The crisis that's occurred in Japan, China's decisions to raise interest rates and reduce credit, the debt crisis moving through Europe certainly have played a role in the historic collapse of the world's financial system. But we will describe the key factors that determine the very great overall failure for the autumn of 2011 and its consequences in this report. Basically, the process taking place before our eyes 
is the entry of the United States into a period of austerity, of unprecedented size and scope. In simple budget terms, what is happening is the clearance or the write-off of $30 trillion of what we call ghost assets or worthless assets mortgages that are not worth the paper they're written on, loans that will never be repaid, $30 trillion of ghost assets that are held within the world's financial system. If half of them had disappeared by 2009, they were revived since that date through the power of the major central banks, particularly the U.S. Federal Reserve, and its quantitative easing. However, our team believes that $20 trillion worth of these ghost assets will go up in smoke by autumn of 2011 and in a very brutal manner under the combined effect of the three mega crises which are now accelerating within the United States. First, the budget crisis, or how the U.S. will either willingly or forcibly be placed in a period of unprecedented austerity, which means budget cuts, entitlement cuts, subsidy cuts, welfare cuts, tax increases and service decreases, unprecedented austerity that will drag whole parts of the global economy down with it. Second, the crisis of the U.S. deficit, or how the U.S. Federal Reserve will reach the end of its road that it's been walking since it was founded in 1913, and will now face the truth of its bankruptcy, regardless of the accounting camouflage being used. Third, the crisis in the U.S. dollar which will characterize or force the end of quantitative easing sometime in the second quarter of 2011, which will become the trigger for a massive devaluation in the U.S. dollar. Central banks, the global banking system, pension funds, corporations, the American people, or all of those who are dependent upon the economy of the United States, everyone who is structurally related to the U.S. economy, and all the assets that are valued in U.S. dollars will suffer from the cataclysmic shock of 20 trillion of ghost assets simply disappearing, generating a major fall in the real income and a major collapse in real asset values throughout the dollar-based system. In simple terms, the depression will be here in living color by the end of this year. Going back to their report, around the historic crash that is coming in the fall of 2011, which will mark the final realization of the trends that LEAP has been anticipating, virtually all categories of assets will experience major volatility, which means prices are going to be going crazy. Indeed, this triple crisis within the U.S. will mark the final end of the post-1945 world in which America was the dominant economic, political, and military power, and in which the United States played the role of Atlas, and will therefore be marked by many shocks and multiple aftershocks in the quarters to come. Can a magician succeed with his most difficult trick in front of an audience which insults him by throwing things in his face and asking for their money back? That is the problem confronting the Federal Reserve, <laughs> where U.S. citizens are now calling for its abolition, while the central bankers of the world have already expressed their anger 
when the money printing policies of quantitative easing two were announced. The Fed has lost its audience. See, Shannon, nobody believes anymore. The American people know it's a lie. The international creditors know it's a lie. The whole world knows these guys are lying. And these aren't small lies that they're telling us. These are the bigger lies. The Fed has lost its audience, and only the groupies of Goldman Sachs and its clones are left. Those who still believe in an improving U.S. economy, apart from the QE, quantitative easing, doping, should look at the reality of state and municipal finance and realize the recent fictional employment gains will be reversed shortly this summer. The massive risk in the dollar should also not be understated as global central banks are quietly turning dollars into gold and turning gold into the new global currency. The position of the Fed holding trillions of dollars in real estate-backed assets, now of questionable value as the real estate market continues to collapse, and facing rising interest rate pressures from accelerating inflation has become unsustainable. And the risk of a Fed bankruptcy has become so real, the U.S. Treasury is discreetly agreeing to an automatic bailout plan if and when required. Those who cannot understand the interaction of these powerful forces, which have been in play since 2008, will no doubt be swept away by the events of late 2011. This is an economic think tank writing a report that is read by fairly sophisticated business people around the world. And Shannon, they're talking about, you know, if you don't understand what's happening, you're going to be swept away. This is a cataclysm that is about to occur. True inflation, back to the report, true inflation in the U.S. is now running at around 10%, a number which, if it were announced, No, the number which would be announced if the U.S. were still using the same inflation methodology as it did in 1980. Pardon my slight slip up there. I'm reading from the report in pieces because I don't want to take all the time left on the show. So I'm I'm cutting and pasting as I'm speaking to you, and I'll try to keep this clear. And this inflation is accelerating, as admitted by Walmart. So real inflation is around 10% right now. We were using honest numbers. Quantitative easing number two is devastating prices inside the U.S. and food prices around the world. It's the reason for the revolutions in the Arab world. It's the match that lit the fuse. Against this background of accelerating inflation and the end of quantitative easing number two, U.S. interest rates are certain to rise sharply later this year. The coming collapse in U.S. Treasury bonds will then lead to a devaluation in the dollar, a minimum of 30%. Now, that's what LEAP says. Other sources are saying it's 50 to 70% dollar devaluation later this year. The crisis, which will hit both U.S. fixed income markets, that's the bond market, and the U.S. dollar, will lead to the very great collapse in the world's financial system, as there will be no Fed to act as lender of last resort this time. And the IMF is not of sufficient size to attempt to address this problem. Expect to see many international banks carried off by this storm. They're talking about a complete collapse in the world's financial system. But that is exactly what the Lord warned about. 
five weeks to the destruction of the Fortress of Imagination. And the Fortress of Imagination is the money system. A man's wealth is a fortress in his imagination. And it's also the housing market. A man's home is his castle. People feel safe in their houses until a Category 5 hurricane or a F5 tornado comes down the street. And then you're not really very safe in your house, are you? Because your house is picked up and blown to bits and, and thrown over the next couple square miles. And that's basically a picture of what the very great collapse of the U.S. financial system is going to look like. It's going to look like Katrina. It's going to look like those tornadoes that just devastated the East Coast. It had 200, I don't even remember the numbers. There were more tornadoes in one day than we normally have in a month as the Lord is trying to, like, get people's attention. The LEAP report goes on in dealing with military operations in Libya. Acceleration of the global geopolitical collapse. Libya stands in contrast to the other major Arab nations experiencing similar uprisings and similar violent responses by the government, such as Syria, Saudi Arabia. But the Western powers will not intervene in these nations for the following reasons. They're too large. These are regimes whose destabilization would be dangerous for the West. There's major logistic hurdles. It would be very difficult to prepare the American public through the propaganda in the media to support military intervention in these countries. Military outcomes would be uncertain, and there would be risks of major adverse impacts on the price of oil. So we conveniently look the other way when humanitarian rights are being trampled in various other countries. But Libya, on the other hand, we've decided to intervene. Why? Because it's politically and militarily feasible. The Libyan dictator was already demonized in the Western media. The country's large but sparsely populated, thus an ideal candidate for air support. Lastly, and not least, it has a lot of oil, particularly sweet oil, non-sulfuric oil. The oil, which is now in increasing short supply in the world, and the kind of oil that is the only usable fuel stock within approximately 80% of our refineries. You talk about these oil experts that will tell you, oh, there's all this oil. You know, there's oil under the ocean. Yep. It's like a lot of it's so sulfuric, we dare not drill it. There's oil here. There's oil there. Most of it is sour oil, which means sulfuric acid. What we process in most of our refineries is sweet. Texas crude, sweet oil, no sulfuric acid. Those refineries that process sweet oil, Shannon, they can't process sulfuric acid oil. The pipes will melt. The refinery will have holes in it. So, you know, just turns out coincidentally, of course, that Libya is one of the major producers of sweet oil, right? Yes. The intervention in Libya is a powerful accelerator of the process of the global geopolitical breakup. It's the first time since 1945 that the United States is unable or unwilling to assume leadership. And this is the result of our military and diplomatic exhaustion. In addition, the actions in Libya have led to a permanent weakening of NATO because Germany and other major members have refused to either consent or support the military action. Germany's abstention from voting 
highlights their political shift towards the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and further away from Washington. Further, the conflict is highlighting the state of Western finance, where neither Britain nor France can actually afford the cost of a continued military commitment. They're broke. They can't even finance this thing much further. And behind the facade of the public speeches, the world is discovering the Western powers are no longer able to finance anything other than symbolic conflict, a fact which surely has not escaped Gaddafi's view. Libya may fast become another Somalia. The start of European humanitarian operations and advisors on the ground will likely become a sock puppet for ground operations. And once English and French soldiers are on the African soil, the situation in the region will become uncontrollable. And don't forget, U.S. intelligence agencies have confirmed Islamic fundamentalists are found at the core of the Libyan revolutionary movement. Lastly, public opinion in the Western allies is beginning to tire, where in the U.S., after almost 10 years of interventionist wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, have little to no success to show for the cost, financially and in terms of human life. Strategic recommendations. The coming collapse of the U.S. bond market will spell the end to the U.S. dollar as the currency faces major devaluation in the next year. Gold and precious metals will continue their dominance as a safe haven. But remember, no paper gold, no certificates, only the physical. Because when the very great collapse occurs, Certificate holders will discover there are more certificates than metal available. Unfortunately, food will also provide excellent investment returns in the next 12 months. The crisis in Japan and the looming dollar devaluation will only reinforce this trend. If you have a home to sell, sell it quickly. We're thinking of buying, wait five years. The housing market has only begun to see the depths of its depression. The imminent ending of quantitative easing, too, will cause a heavy price fall in the majority of financial assets, this ending can occur anytime between late April and June of 2011. So act before it is too late. The time for taking or for talking, the time for talking or taking defensive action is ending soon. The blood will be in the streets, and then all that will be left is the crying. That was my comment. That's the leap report, Shannon. Is God, that mind blowing or what? They're talking about a collapse. In the United States. God have mercy. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. You know, we've got other intelligence sources that are confirming our intelligence agencies are expecting a financial collapse. High-level people within the IMF have just talked confidentially, you know, off the record to close friends, and that information's made its way to my desk that they're anticipating a financial collapse of the U.S. dollar. The leading economic powers of the world are meeting behind the scenes to t discuss the transition of the world economy post the collapse of the United States. And, you know, our uh, pretender in chief, our pretender in chief and the rest of those cronies are you know, behind the scenes trying to figure out what to do. Shannon, I've got an emergency phone call coming in. I want to hold for yes. a minute. You take I'll that, and uh, we're going to continue here. Uh, folks, you're listening to live radio tonight. This is Omega Man Radio. Special guest tonight is Benjamin Baruch. 
good friend. Um, Benjamin knows what time it is. I believe many of you know what time it is. His website is BenjaminBrook.com. He wrote a book called The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And folks, we are fast approaching the Day of the Lord. It's not a day that you want to look forward to. Even the Bible talks about it. If you really understand the implications of the Day of the Lord, you understand that uh, not many people are going to survive it. Unless God shortened the days, there would be no flesh saved. Um, I don't have the scripture handy, but it talks about what the Day of the Lord is. It says, you know, basically you're a fool to, you know, to, to want it to be hastened because it's like running out and, you know, you get hit by uh, a mama bear. You know what a mama bear is like that's trying to save her cub? They're ferocious. They'll they'll eat you to death, maul you, eat you. And then, you know, you you get hit and then you run another direction and there you are face to face with a a hungry lion. And he swats you, takes your head off. And if you could run again, you would go face to face with something even more fearful. I mean, folks, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be like that scene from 2012, I bet you. You know where the uh, the guy is coming back home, took his kids up to Yellowstone, and uh, that earthquake hits, and he tries to swing back around to his ex's house and pick him up in that limousine. You know what I'm talking about? 2012. And it's autumn. And, you know, there's people dying in the rearview mirror, getting over, you know, getting over, um, overtaken by the um, the chaos coming down the boulevard. In fact, I saw that movie again uh, this past week, and my grandfather never seen that. He wanted to see it, so we uh, we saw it on Netflix, I believe it was. And uh, while I don't agree with the, everything in that film, you have to admit the special effects were pretty awesome. I believe it's going to be like that. Many parts of the world, of course, the whole world's not going to be destroyed. You know, we've got a thousand years still to go after the day of the Lord. You know, the new millennium, but. Uh, there's going to be massive loss of life. I'm not happy to see America Babylon going down. I'll tell you the truth. Why? Because as American Babylon goes down, that means you know our time is short here. There's going to be a great falling away. Many people are going to die. Many people are falling away even now into deception, like those that are following this apostate Episcopalian pastor. And I'm not just singling him out. You know, the landscape is rife with... Uh, Heretics, wolves in sheep's clothing, leading people down the path to hell. And the pathway to hell is paid with good intentions. Well, you know, I wanted to serve Jesus. You know, I, I couldn't I couldn't leave my uh my children out of the equation. You know, they don't like the, the church we were going to. We had to take them somewhere where they would they could be entertained, you know, or they get bored too easy. Or, you know, Jesus, I'll serve you tomorrow. I don't have time today. I've, I've got to go to uh, got to go to the the football game, baseball game. I've got to worship the God of sports, or you know, I could go down the whole list, folks. You know what I'm talking about. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we've got to make a decision whom we're going to serve. You're either going to stand on the side of the Lord, or you're going to be on the other side with the world. And I tell you, when the shaking occurs, you better be in the secret pace. Of the Most High. God is the only one can sustain us in these days that are ahead. 
You know, it's hey, pretty man, amazing. Shannon, I'm back. It's amazing, Benjamin. You know, I was thinking about uh, what's going on in Japan, for example. I don't even know yeah. if we understand the full ramifications. Do you think that uh, it's going to depress their um, car export business? Would you want to buy a Toyota or a Nissan if it potentially was radioactive? Well, I don't think the cars are going to be radioactive, but the rain and the snow and the food, you know, the food stock and the food chain is definitely going to be radiated. And You know, who knows what the impact is, but it's obviously huge and it's obviously not good and it's not the last thing. It's just, that was just last month's news. You know, what's next month hold? Oh, man. Because you know, it's coming you know, like birth yeah. pains. I mean, we are here. You know, the leading, some of the leading minds in the investment world realize the U.S. is about to collapse. Now, you know, what does collapse mean? Well, let's say the dollar falls 50%. Okay. So, you know, take a family that's on food stamps. More, you know, depending on your income level and your budget, you might be getting... 500, 700, whatever the number is in food stamps. And, you know, you're eking by, maybe you're getting this welfare payment, that welfare payment, you know, your head's barely above water. Then we have a massive devaluation. You go to the grocery store and everything costs twice as much. Absolutely. So the gas station, gas is sitting out 7 8 $10 a gallon. God have mercy. And, you know, it's 200 bucks to fill the car. Well, you know, half of the people that are getting these new MIC jobs, you know, working in these either the fast food service industries or they're working as, you know, the low end of the pay scale in the um, healthcare business, the salaries that they're earning are not high enough to to justify paying the cost of driving very far to get to work. I mean, of course, you you know. If you've got to drive 40 miles to get to a job and you're burning, uh, what does that work out to? Six gallons of gas a day? Yeah. You know, five gallons of gas a day. Well, if gas is seven bucks, it's like 40 bucks a day. How well, much do you make? If you make the truth. You know, 10 bucks an hour, you're making 80 bucks, but you, they want you to pay taxes because, you know, you got to support the, the people that are on welfare. You know, half the American people are just on the dole. The other half that work for McDonald's have got to pay for all the free. You know, chicken McNuggets, we got to give everybody that's on the welfare payments. Brother, so, speaking of McDonald's. You know, at what point does uh, it not work at all? That's right. I mean, I heard some something like there was, uh, I mean, th- hundreds, I mean, uh, not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of jobs of the day that McDonald's created. I mean, like, that's right. like the only place you're going to be able to get a job. <laughs> well, McDonald's the, or Walmart. It's not, it is not uh, an exaggeration to say that the majority of the job losses, that have occurred and are continuing to occur are in the higher-paying jobs, the manufacturing jobs, the white-collar jobs, the good jobs in America are going away. And the majority of the new jobs that President Obama wants to take credit for, creating or saving, I love that, how he saved somebody's job. Um, What a joke. But the majority of the new jobs, if they're not fictitious because they were just created by the magical birth-death model where they just go, hmm, pick a number, and they put that in the employment report, but the actual real jobs being created in the economy, 
the majority of them are the low-paying jobs. And in a world of $5 gasoline or $10 gasoline, how in the world do you afford to run your car, pay your rent, afford the cost of living, and go to work for an $8 an hour job? How does that work? It I mean, does if you're work. a teenager living at home with your parents, maybe it works. And you're riding a motorcycle to, to your job. Fine, it works great for a college kid. I mean, unless we're going to live Vietnamese for, style, you know, 10 people in, a, in an apartment. It works great for an illegal alien where you got 40 people living in, in a, a four-bedroom house and everybody's splitting the rent. But, but you cannot survive as a middle-class American in the economy of the future. That's right. That economy is being destroyed. Or as you, as you put it, it's in the hospice right now. But, you know, the thing is, following this economic collapse, Shannon, we are then going to have the riots. Oh, my goodness. The food riots are coming. The social unrest is coming. And then the martial law is coming. The roundup is coming. And then the next 9-11 is coming, which, by the way, is expected, projected to occur later this year in which you're going to see seven cities hit with, you know, there'll be mushroom clouds. I think the true uh, adjective would be uh, planned. Yeah, planned. <laughs> you know, it, it's the planned. Next, the next like 9-11 is planned. And it will, be, it will be choreographed with a perfect Islamic signature. And it will be sold to the American people that it was an attack by Islamic radicals. But that'll be totally untrue. It's actually under the control of other foreign governments, not not individual organizations. Governments that you like the color red. And for me, I'd rather be dead than red. Give me I liberty or give me death. If in some way they're going to um, blame the Christian community for it, well, I don't think they're going to blame them for the suitcases, but they will, at some point, it's go, the paradigm is going to shift that people that, are, that have a literalist or fundamentalist view are part of the problem, no question. It's going to turn tail that the Christians will be persecuted, the Christians will be, you know, the enemy of the state. You know, that day's probably not... Very Let me make off. another prediction. Um, what about the guy who uh, just burned the Koran down in Florida, right? Yeah. Now, personally, I think that's fine. Uh, I have no problem with him burning the Koran. It's a it's a demonic book anyway. But what if as long something as the like paper that wasn't toxic and he didn't put toxic chemicals <laughs> into the air? I don't mind him burning one. Oh, absolutely. But Burn what happens? Doesn't I don't care. Amen. I agree. But so what I'm saying here is, what if they use somebody like that as a scapegoat? And then the uh, the suitcase sure. bomb. Yep. Um, the, the Muslims say, "Well, look, you know, you defaced our Koran. This is payback you time." You burned a single copy of the Koran. We need to burn a bunch of people. That right. sounds like something the Islamists would argue for. So the government says, "You know what? We can't afford to let this happen again. You know, it's hate hate crime." Right. Christianity is. You know. Yeah, that's where it's going. No doubt it's going to come together that way, you know, in terms of the media spin. But, you know, the one thing the listeners need to understand, 
once the next 9-11 occurs, following the financial collapse, during the period of unrest and civil disorder, when martial law is imposed, then you see those suitcases, you're going to see those mushrooms sprouting across seven American cities. Yes. When that happens, the U.S. economy will effectively shut down. The trucks will stop running for anywhere from 30 to 60 days. The grocery stores will be emptied of food within hours. The banks will close. The markets will close. There will be no transactions other than stuff that's done through private parties. No question about it. America will enter a long night of darkness, and no one can even comprehend what that's going to be like. And people people that are in a position to know are saying that these events are likely this fall, following the financial collapse. And the reason, if you think about it, you know, we get the financial collapse, boom, you know, the stock market crashes, bonds crash, everybody's retirement accounts wiped out, the states are broke, the pensions are busted, the whole thing is bankrupt. And now the price of everything has exploded, everybody's pretty much been pushed into the poverty level, there's chaos, people are in rebellion, there's civil unrest, and then boom, the downtown district has now been vaporized and is landing in your backyard in small fragment pieces about the size of a baseball. God have, have mercy. Just laid, you have just laid the U.S. out on a gurney. And that is nothing more than what is known as the overture or the pre- preparatory stage in getting us ready for World War Three which is the full-on strike against the country. That's right. That's not even the end, folks. No, that's just the beginning. That's just welcome to the show. Glad you could show up. I hope you brought your whatever you thought you needed because you're not going to have a chance to get anything else. It'll be coming to our party. In the chat room right now, we've got a couple uh, questions. People are asking, um, can you give us any more information on what seven cities might uh, be the targets? Yeah, L.A., New York, Chicago, Washington, Philadelphia, Houston, and Las Vegas. There we go. And uh, they're asking, what is our source of information? Well, uh, I'll answer that question. Folks, God always brings a warning before he brings judgment. He sent many prophets in the past well, several decades to give this warning. The Lord warning. has brought. <laughs> yeah, sure, Dudeman told us this would happen. Amen. And I saw it. You know, remember my 9-11 dream where I saw us attacked by United American Airlines about six weeks before 9-11? Yeah. And then I saw the mushroom clouds, and I was catching the fallout. So I've already seen the fallout from this mess. But, you know, the the sources through official channels on this, uh, this is, like, highly confidential. You know, they can't be named, but there they're are official sources. On top of that, folks, you had Jonathan Hansen named this. Seven locations. You got David Walkerson named New York as one of them back uh, thirty years ago. Well, it's obvious. Yeah. You know, you take the major financial centers. Okay, L.A., New York, Chicago. Then you know the capital, Washington. Then you've got well, Philadelphia, home place of democracy. That's perfect. Then you got Houston. You know, George Bush. You know, bring them out. You know, we're going to smoke them out. Well, they're smoking us back. Well, that's the way they want it to appear, right? And then you got Vegas, Sin City, right? 
Oh, yeah. They Those just, are designed to give it a clear Islamist signature so that it sells that it was done by Arab radicals when, in fact, it was done by the communists. The Amen. Uh, last but not least, don't forget uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, and uh, the Florida Keys, where you've got another homosexual capital. Yeah, I think that's well, that'll, all be there for, that'll all be taken care of in round two, uh, which will be the Battle of Ezekiel 38, which is expected in the fall of 2012. Now, you know, I hope and pray the Lord grants a reprieve, but, you know, the Scripture's clear, friends, that these things are coming at the appointed time. It must come at the appointed time. And as the Holy Spirit has revealed the understanding and the insight into the prophecies, the appointed times are upon us, which is really what this counting of the Omer is all about, Shannon. It's looking forward to the appointed time for the Lord to come in visitation. You know, the first time on the Feast of Shavuot, which later became known as Pentecost, the first time was after the Passover in which the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt. And seven weeks after the Sabbath, following the Passover exodus out of the slavery and out of the land of Egypt, in the desert of Sin, in the Sinai, Moses went up into the mountain, and the Lord came down. And Shannon, the mountain burned and melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. Wow. And that mountain is actually inside the geography of Saudi Arabia today. And they've got that mountain under armed guard. They've got the army. Oh, yeah. It's fenced. It's under 24-hour military guard. They don't want anybody going up on that mountain because that mountain was burned by... There's scientific evidence that that mountain oh, was yeah. burned by incredible temperatures. Chab can't exist on the surface of this planet. That's right. <laughs> Unless That's Jesus right. Christ happens to come down as God and stand on the rock and hallelujah, it melts like wax. Even the Apostle the, Paul knew the true location of Mount Sinai. It's not in Egypt. It's in Saudi no, Arabia, just as is. Benjamin said, with barbed wire fence around it. They've even got the caves over there, Benjamin, that have the uh, Hebrew hieroglyphics. You know, they've got oh, sure. all the things well, it says you look You know for. what, Shannon? That This Feast of Seven Weeks, which is the Count of the Omer, yes. you know, some of our listeners may be new to the study of the biblical feast. Others may be well-versed. You know what I'm talking about. The Feast of Weeks is the Feast of Seven Weeks, and it's the counting from basically this Sunday, which is the first day following the end of the Feast of unleavened bread, counting out 49 days or seven weeks, and, and then looking to that following day, which is Pentecost, which is Shavuot, that is also the day the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles. The Lord came down again on that day. Amen. Well, the, you know, the prophecy in Daniel, chapter 9, after seven weeks, Messiah the Prince will come. This is the Feast of Seven Weeks. The Lord's yes. already visited the earth twice on this day. 
first himself, and he has the mountains on fire. Then he's got cloves of fire over the heads of the apostles. And he told us to observe the count of the Omer and to prepare our hearts for the visitation of the Lord. And you know what, Shannon, that's what this, these next seven weeks are all about. And you and I, we've been praying and we've been talking about um, possibly having a an assembly, possibly having yes. a solemn assembly in accordance with the commandments and the prophecies of Joel. And we are prayerfully thinking about um, having it at, you know, perhaps in Montana, perhaps in another location. Absolutely. And we're also prayerfully considering opening up an invitation to all of your listeners who might want to come and gather together on some basis. And you and I had talked, you know, everybody in the chat room, maybe, you know, people could send you an email um, and let you know whether they would be interested or, you know, have the capacity to attend. Hey, Amen. We were thinking about a, pro- a prophecy slash deliverance conference and um, maybe having one venue in the uh, Montana area, folks. Benjamin Baruch would be one of the speakers. We would have uh, Pastor John Kyle from the Oasis Church. Uh, we would get uh, Pastor Charlie Costello, Ministry of Salvation. And... Um, it would be a great get-together. We would like to do a series of these, in fact, uh, some different locations, one in Montana for the West Coast people. We'd like maybe to do one in uh, New York City. We've already checked into that, uh, found a venue there, and uh, basically just have a, you know, some places that people can get out there and meet some brothers and sisters, do some fellowship, um, get together and pray, seek the Lord, get some deliverance, uh, you know, the whole the whole thing. And, um, you know, that's rare in this time, brother. Going to a place where you can actually uh, get a hold of God. Because he's not found in most of these churches out there. His category is already left. Ichabod is Well, the remnant have been called out into the wilderness. Amen? In many, many places. And, and, you know, we are still seeking the Lord on exactly what to do and all of these details, but... We thought we would share it with the listeners so you guys can begin to pray. And, you know, we don't want our ideas. Uh, We don't want to come up with, you know, our next great invention. Amen. We want to hear from the Lord. We want the Holy Spirit to direct what it is the Lord would have us to do. And, you know, one of the key attributes of a solemn assembly or, you know, whatever you would name you want to use for this assembly that we would be having, uh, one of the most powerful ingredients is if the people that are in attendance are all there fasting and praying. Amen. And, you know, as the apostles were gathered in the upper room, you know, I don't know if the Scripture mentions it as they waited on the Lord, but I bear witness, and this is just my opinion, that during the... Um, Count of the Omer after the Lord's crucifixion, after he was arrested, beaten, tortured, and violently murdered by crucifixion, and then raised from the dead for the salvation of of his brethren and God's people. It's my belief that as the apostles waited on the Lord, 
following the events of Passover and the events of the Lord's death and resurrection, that they were fasting and praying during this period. I mean, after seeing what the Lord just went through, I think we could skip a meal. You know, I think we could deal with overcoming a little hunger pain. Amen. And, um, you know, uh, fasting and prayer is, that's the, the heavy weapons of our spiritual warfare. You know, and Jesus himself told us that some kind of opposition, some of the things we must overcome, only can be conquered through fasting and prayer. This kind will only come out by fasting and prayer. So, and, you know, Shannon, um, in the New International Version and some of these newer other new translations of the Bible, which personally I don't read, um, I'd burn them right along with the Koran, you know. Amen. I don't mean to offend anybody, but um, I threw my NIV in the trash after I read it for a while uh, because I thought, I can't hear the Lord. That's right. You know, I read I read my King James or a New American Standard, and I, I can hear the Lord. And you look at an NIV and go, I can't hear the Lord. I don't know what this is. So I eventually threw it in the garbage. It's a corrupted word. It doesn't even have uh, references to fasting. It is very here. corrupted, and, and it's not corrupted by accident. It's corrupted by design. I call it the New Illuminati version. Yes. And I think it was intentionally done as a counterfeit uh, scripture. And, you know, one of the things, one of the errors that's pervasive through the NIV and through a lot of these new translations, every reference in the scripture to prayer and fasting has been deleted and removed. And all it says is prayer. Now think about it, friends. Satan, in bringing his confusion into these modern Babylonian Bibles, these modern Bibles of confusion, where the translation has really brought confusion. One of the the main things Satan wanted to stop you from reading was about the power of fasting. Why is that? Because he trembles when the Church of Jesus Christ gathers together in a time of solemn assembly and the saints of God humble themselves they fast and pray, and they seek the Lord's face, the kingdom of darkness is terrified. Because that is the point where they are defeated. And so, they deleted all references to prayer and fasting in the NIV. So what do you think it is we should be doing? I'll give you a hint. Go back and read the prophecies of Joel. There's only three chapters. It's like three pages. It'll take you maybe five minutes to read it, and in it the Lord makes it abundantly clear. He is commanding us to gather in solemn assemblies. He is commanding us to cancel our agenda, to cancel our entertainment, to cancel our own self-will, and to gather together in solemn assemblies and in times of fasting and prayer to repent and to seek his face because he is about to come down and visit the earth. And this time, it's not just the mountain that is going to burn, because he's walking through the whole place. And everywhere he goes, he's either going to leave a blessing on a holy remnant, or he's going to leave a fire and ashes and dead men's bones. Because that which is his, the Lord will protect. That's what he said. I will protect that which is mine, and everything else will be destroyed. 
when Jesus comes in visitation, he's going to come through every nation. He's going to come through this entire land. He's going to come to your house. He's either going to leave a blessing or he's going to start a fire. And this is a fire no man can quench. And it's a fire that will burn to the bone. You know, Shannon, on the Passover, after the Passover lamb was killed, yes, and it was roasted in the fire, and it was eaten in the Passover meal, the Israelites were instructed to then burn everything that was left. Even the bones of the lamb had to be burned and reduced to ashes. And, you know, that is a picture. And there's a couple reasons why the Lord commanded the Passover lamb to be burned. One, the lamb, the very Passover, which is a picture of what we now call communion, where the Lord on Passover lifted up the Passover cup and said, this is the new covenant. I'm the Lamb of God, and you know this represents my blood that's going to be shed, that you might be delivered from the power of Satan to the kingdom of light. And this bread that he broke, that unleavened bread that had no sin in it, that he lifted up and said, this is my body, it's a picture of my body. We call that communion. In reality, it's the Passover Seder, and the lamb that was killed on the Passover was also eaten as part of the meal. Right. And that represented symbolically the death of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. But the so that lamb was holy under the Lord. You know, you don't eat the communion dinner disrespectfully. You can die for that. Yes. So it was all burned because it was holy under the Lord. But I also believe, Shannon, that those bones burning are a picture of the level of suffering that the Lord endured. God they didn't just beat him. They didn't just cut his flesh open with that cat of nine tail. They didn't just rip the flesh and the muscles off his back. They didn't just pull his hair out in clumps and tearing pieces of his scalp off. They didn't just pierce his head with a crown of thorns. They didn't break and bring the bruises on his face to where he no longer even looked like a man. No, he took the sin of the world upon him. And it burned. And it burned all the way to the bone. Now, i got to tell you, when, when you've been burned and that burn goes all the way into your bone, there's nothing left, Shannon. And that's what the Lord endured. So that our Father God could forgive us of our sin. But he's looking for us to repent. He didn't endure that fire so we could continue in our sin, but so that we could be delivered. Now, some of us have got satanic strongholds in our life. Maybe they came through a generational curse. Maybe if an ancestor or family member got involved in the occult or some of the secret society things that are deep darkness, and that curse got in the bloodline. Other sins or generational sins or, or our own lust and, and the corruption of the world and, and the temptations of the world and the deceptions of the enemy brought each of us to choose sin at different times. And we became a slave to sin. And we ended up under a, an oppression. You know, the enemy began to have an advantage on us. 
and we need to repent, and we need deliverance. And some of this deliverance requires prayer and fasting. Now the Lord, he's the one who paved the way. He was burned to the bone with our sin. We can surely fast for a few days to bring his deliverance, not just into our lives, but, but what about families? Yes, yes. What about our friends? What about our children? You know, are there any moms listening? I'm sure there's a few mothers out there. Would you fast and pray for your children? You know, Shannon, I remember when I, years ago, you know, I'd kind of fallen away from the Lord. I was a dumb college kid. I wandered off, and I, you know, and I got myself all snared up in a bunch of garbage. And I thought I was lost forever. You know, the enemy was lying to me, and and then um, the Lord came to the house. He actually came. You know, it just breaks my heart to think Jesus Christ came to my house to save me. But he's come to every one of our houses. He's come into our lives. He came for you. And you know what? One of the things the Lord said to me, first thing he said, he comes to the house and I didn't see him but I'm telling you a mighty wind I mean it was like the book of Acts the power of God came in the room and let me tell you if the Lord wanted to come into your house and let you know he just entered the house he can do that and you would know well I knew and he started talking in an audible voice I could hear him with my ears and he said to me I want you to do me a favor and Jesus Christ really said that. I'm not making this up at all. And I said, what do you want me for, Lord? I'm, I'm not even saved. I'm a pagan now, remember? And the Lord said to me, I want you to pray for the babies being murdered in America. And I said, Lord, why don't you get your church to pray? What do you want me to pray for? And the Lord said, I've asked my church to pray, and they won't pray. And I said, What's wrong with your church? And the Lord said, I just want you to pray now. And so I did. And the Lord asked me to pray for babies. Babies were getting slaughtered, murdered, violently murdered. And the church wouldn't even pray. The Lord, by His Spirit, spoke to Christians in America, asking them, to pray for little babies. And they didn't they wouldn't do it. They didn't they didn't do it. I don't brother, know whether they were the, busy or but you know what, Shannon? Killing their own babies, brother. Today the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit is again asking his church to pray. Yes. Only now he's asking the mothers to pray for their own babies. I mean, the church wouldn't pray for other innocent children. Will will the Christian mothers today stop what they're doing and enter in a season of fasting and praying and waiting on the Lord to pray for their own babies that might be murdered in what's about to happen? In God have mercy. You know, I mean, there's fathers that have got little kids. We We apparently as a group did not respond to the direction of the Lord in the, ni- the late 1970s 
He asked the church to pray for babies. Nobody prayed. The church wouldn't pray. That's what Jesus said to me. I asked my church to pray, and they won't. They wouldn't pray. And I said, what's wrong with your church, Lord? And the Lord didn't answer me. He just said, I want you to pray. Recently, though, he's been showing me some things about the church, and, and you know, I find the same things in me. I find the same things in all of us. That's why we need to fast and pray. God have mercy. And it's not just the babies that are going to be dying this time. It's everybody. Oh, Jesus. And i got to tell you, if you want a picture of what it is going to feel like and what it looks like, consider those bones being burned in the fire. That's about the level that's coming. But the Lord is so rich in his mercy, you know, he would rather we repent. He would rather we repent. You know, he calls it his strange work, Shannon. He says, now I will arise and I'll do my strange work. And then I'll bring to pass my strange act. And the reason it's a strange work is it's not the Lord's nature, you know, to have to burn the sin out of his people by setting them on fire. You know, the Lord would have chosen any other way to sanctify this generation. But he asked them to pray, they wouldn't pray. He asked them to fast, they wouldn't fast. He asked them to come out of Babylon and they wouldn't even consider letting the spirit of Babylon come out of them. Because people like it this way, Shannon. You know what they pray to God for? They pray to God that they could continue in their pleasure while the blood of innocent babies is being flushed down the toilets. Oh, my goodness. And the, the cries of the children that have been murdered come up out of the sewers unto the Holy One. And I was talking to Henry Gruber. Some of you may know who he is, a mighty man of God, a prayer walker, and the Lord would have him walk around and pray. And he he would say that he would get in the spirit and he would be praying and and he would be walking through the cities and he could hear the cries of the babies as he was walking over the streets under which the sewer mains were deposited as their blood, as the innocent blood was passing through Jesus. the sewers of the American cities. Now you tell me what the Holy One is about to do to a nation that murders its children and to a nation that serves other gods and to a nation that blasphemes the name of the Holy One. See, Jesus Christ, these are his children. You know what happens when you hurt a little baby? front of that baby's daddy? <laughs> daddy gets very mad. And we have been hurting. This nation has murdered children. And this church has chosen compromise. We, God's, we as God's people have all chosen compromise. All of us. How do I know that? The scripture declares it. The scripture calls us the generation of his wrath. 
only a remnant is going to escape this thing. The scripture says that we are a people who are washed in our own eyes, but are not cleansed from our iniquity. We're merely clean in our own eyes. But we are not yet washed from our iniquity. While well, these solemn assemblies are for the washing away of iniquity and for the preparation of the remnant, for the calling out of the remnant. And, you know, if you're not willing to repent of the pretense and to get honest, fearlessly, brutally honest in confessing your sin and in fasting and praying and in seeking the Lord, the face of the Lord, with all of your heart and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. If that is not your heart, then please do not come to a solemn assembly. Do not bring your mixed heart and your mixed mind in and and defile the work that the Lord wants to do. Because you know what? If the wrong people show up, it'll hold back the group. I mean, you remember Jesus, in, when he went to his own hometown, he says you know, he could only heal a few people because of the unbelief. Well, the way these solemn assemblies work, too, you really, you guys, whether we all gather together or whether you do this on your own with other brothers and sisters, you need to understand, you've got to pray this thing through carefully, and you've got to have the right people there, okay? You've got to let the Holy Spirit do this. Because we don't need to get together and have another afternoon or another church session of pretense Christianity, where we all exist in that, you know, pretending. And listen, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? There are people that are so disassociated. Their hearts are so divided. They've got so much repressed bitterness. They've got so much repressed pain. They've got so much repressed unforgiveness that they have actually disassociated their conscious mind from their heart. And they're operating inside what is in effect a pretend heart. And they pretend to repent, and they pretend to be your friend, and they, of course, these are the people that slander you when you walk out the door, and their their love is false, and really they're full of envy, bitterness, and woe, and they're either saints in need of serious deliverance, which means they need to fast and pray to get free of this stuff, or these are sons of Belial that have come in among us, and they're not even of us. Amen. And if you're in that frame of mind and you're not ready to be delivered and you're not ready to repent, you really don't belong with a handful of saints who are willing to become truthful. You know, because in a solemn assembly, you are repenting. You are confessing your sin one to another. And, you know, it works best in small groups, okay? This isn't something 10 or 20 people do. This is something four, five, six people do. Two or three people can do this. Where two or more gather in my name, 
I am there with them, says the Lord. But this is a time and a place where you repent, where you don't hide any, there's no fig leaves here. This is confessing your sin and praying for one another and taking authority and breaking the curse and reversing all of the works of the enemy, overturning the, the gates of darkness, bringing salvation, bringing deliverance, and bringing healing. This is serious kingdom business, okay? This is not a, we, you know, are going to show up and play church bingo, okay? Or, you know, we're going to all sit there, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, too. Is everyone fine? Yes, everyone's fine. We're all dying soon, but we're fine today. No, we're not fine. We're not fine. Everybody has got major stuff that's got to get dealt with. Even the people that think they're walking in the Holy Spirit, I got news for you. The scripture says the best among them are sharper than a thorn hedge. So, you know, you can hold your opinion. I'm going with the Word of God. You know, now there might be a little remnant of, you know, people out there that are already purified and that are already sanctified. But you know what? You know what the sign of someone who's already been purified and sanctified? The evidence that you know you've actually met someone in that category? They've got the love of God flowing out of them. And they're walking in the peace that passes understanding. And they're on the Lord's agenda seeking the kingdom. And nothing offends them because they love the word of the Lord with all their heart. And, you know, that is where the Lord wants to bring the remnant, Shannon. He wants to take us from the carnal mind into the mind of Christ and walking in the Spirit. And we can't make this transition by holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness or unbelief or any of the lusts of the flesh or any of the sins of our past. That whole carnal man, that whole mindset, got to lay that down. We got to put that man on the altar. That flesh has to burn and those bones have to burn. And that old nature needs to be turned into ashes. And the wind comes and blows it away. And then in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, that seed of corn that's fallen into the ground come forth with new life. And this is kingdom business at the highest level. Not everybody's, you know, part of this company, you know. The majority of the believers don't have the faith or, I don't know, you know, all the reasons, but I can tell you from the Scripture, the majority of the church does not want to make this transition. They want to stay in the flesh, and they want to pretend that they're sanctified. You know, you got saved. You received salvation by faith, by believing and repenting. But that is not how you got sanctified. Sanctification is a process that occurs by faith. But you know what? Shannon, it can be short-circuited. People can run into like a sin area, and they can't overcome it. They get stuck. Yes. That's what I'm saying. 
and you need deliverance, you know, because by what you're overcome, that you're enslaved with. And whatever area of the flesh you're enslaved with, the enemy's got a point of power, you know, to keep you snared. Whether it's, you know, pornography on the computer, or whether it's lust in your heart, or whether it's, you know, an addiction to alcohol, or an addiction to any of the drugs, or or an addiction to anger, or an addiction to bitterness, because a root of bitterness has taken hold on you. All of these things are within the man, and they defile you. And they're going to keep you out of the sanctification. They're going to keep you struggling with the sins of the flesh. This is the stuff we got to put down. Okay? This is the stuff we got to break. And all of those sin areas, Shannon, I think you would agree with me, involve demonic oppression, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's a need for deliverance associated with life controlling sin. Yes. You need to repent, and in the process of true repentance, you need deliverance. And the Lord delivers people all the time. Amen. That's how they get saved. But we can need deliverance again. And some of the things that we're up against, some of these strongholds, only will be broken through prayer and fasting. So, you know, the majority of the people, for whatever reason, they're not going to or not willing to go through the process on their own accord. So for them, the Lord has prepared what I call the Repentance Rehabilitation Workshop, otherwise known as the concentration camps, otherwise known as the, uh, the Auschwitz of the Antichrist, the death camp system of the beast. Most of the church is going to go through the physical persecution, and that you know it says that the beast made war on the saints and overcame the saints. Most of the saints are going to go through this process, and they're going to go through this fire, and they're going to think their bones were burning because it's a very hot fire. But they're going to be completely cleansed, and they're going to be redeemed and they're going to be resurrected and they don't stay dead long and they're going to receive crown of glory for not denying his name and they're going to come back with him when he appears in the clouds now a small remnant is going to be brought to maturity first they're not going to go through the repentance rehabilitation workshop because they by the direction of the Spirit, went to their own solemn assembly, repentance workshop, and they fasted and prayed sufficiently to get free so that they were sanctified, so that when he came in visitation, what he found was worthy of a blessing instead of need of a, in need of a cleansing. So, you know, in some sense, our destinies are related to the choices we make. It's a paradox. You know, you get to decide whether you want to be in the remnant or whether you want to go through the Lord's rehab program. But either way, if you believe in the Lord and He's entered into covenant with you, He's promised.
promise to save you from your sin. He's willing to go all the way to to killing your flesh to do it. He'll go to any length. He'll, the Lord will do whatever is required to save you from your sin. Because he promised you he would. We're merely warning you, as, as Paul said in the scripture, knowing the terror of the Lord, we are warning the people that you really should consider making your best effort to sanctify your temple now while you can do so through the relative comfort of your own home. And all you've got to do is, you know, fast, pray, be honest with the Lord, gather together with some other believers, you know, repent of that gluttony thing that seems to dominate most of American culture, fast and pray for a season, until you break through in the Spirit and then get the rest of the instructions from the Lord. And, um, you know, pray for Shannon and I while you're doing it, because we sure need the prayer covering. Because when you're out preaching messages like this, you get a lot of attention in the Spirit world. So, um, Shannon, that's a, kind of about all I got. Do um, you want to add anything to that? Are you there, Brother Shannon? Yes, uh, here we go. Got my microphone. Um, Benjamin, we have a question from the chat room. And the question was, um, what does a person do who is seeking the Holy Spirit? And uh, how can you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and what is the evidence? Well, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is by witness in your spirit. And ultimately, it's the fruit of the spirit. You know, The gifts are counterfeited. The enemy has a counterfeit. There's false tongues, there's false prophecy. You know, Satan has all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit counterfeited by his false prophets. Okay? And, you know, even tongues, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is not the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Um, People can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, okay? But the, the evidence is something that the Scripture says your spirit will bear witness with his spirit, um, and it'll be witnessed by the fruit. Number one, you should be able to enter into his presence in prayer. And by that I mean the anointing should come upon you, and, you know, the peace that passes understanding. Um, at the same time, we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. So if you do not feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, do not let that shake you. Don't let the enemy shake you on that. You continue to seek the Lord. And I would say, well, number one, you need to repent, okay? You know, you can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you're not really repenting and and being honest with God. Number two, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Learn to worship the Lord and seek him in times of praise, times of worship, and in times of reading the word and in prayer. And then ask the Lord, or, um, and also, 
and and or seek uh, prayer from um, elders that are walking and are full of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord will give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't always come with um, you know, a spectacular phenomena. I know people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and when it first started happening to them, it wasn't entire, they weren't entirely aware of it. So I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. And there's uh, the gift in, uh, different gifts of the Spirit. And God gives them out, and they're used uh, in the body of Christ. So you got to have discernment of spirits. That's a gift, right? Amen. That's right. You got to have, you know, wisdom and knowledge, and um, but you know, ultimately, Shannon, the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You know, if you're waking up in the morning, and as you wake up, you've got worship songs in your heart, and you're singing praises to the Lord. That's a good sign that you're walking in the Holy Spirit. That you're not just have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you're now walking in the Spirit. You should walk in the Spirit all during the day. And that's why we need to gather together in solemn assemblies. Because those of us that are anointed are not walking in the Spirit all day long. We go in to our prayer closet, we seek the Lord, we enter into His presence, we get touched by the Holy Spirit, we can worship Him in the Spirit... He puts his peace upon us. We feel the love, the peace, and the joy of his spirit. We come out of prayer. We come out of our prayer closet, and the anointing kind of runs out of us. And we're back to, do you know what's coming? You know, biting your fingernails inside, you know, nervous. You're not in the peace. You're not in the anointing. You're in the mind of the flesh. Okay, well, you know what? You need more prayer and fasting. Amen. That's your condition. You need more time in the Word. You need less time in front of the TV. You need to you know, seek God with all your might. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this go search the Scriptures in the book of Joel. Read it for yourself. And then ask the Lord how He would have you fulfill His commandment to gather in prayer and fasting in a solemn assembly. I'll tell you, I've been to two of them, and in both instances... Uh, small groups came together, men and women. Both times, the Lord made it very clear, men and women divided. The solemn assembly was women only, men only, and we had two of them at the same time, same place. Just, you know, met in hotels or wherever. We had different rooms. And the reason? Fearless, honest repentance is going on. And you can't have anybody in there that would cause you to be, you know, in any way covering or less than uh, candid about the things you need to repent of because it's not going to work. The Scripture says confess your sins one to another. One of the reasons why there's so little victory is the majority of the people have never confessed their sins one to another. Now, it means one to Another. It doesn't mean one to the church. It doesn't mean one to your whole town. It doesn't mean large groups, because people can't handle your sin. Look, most of us hide our own sin from ourselves. We can't handle our own sin. Most of us can't handle our neighbor's sin either. That's the reason everyone's walking around in pretense. We're all pretending. You know, we're Johnny Christian. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm so wonderful. God bless. I love you. 
until you, the donations stop, in which case the love stops. That's what's going on out there most of the time. It's not the genuine spirit. It's this, we're pretending. We know how we're supposed to be, and so we whip up the solical man to get to an emotional state that we think represents the fruit of the spirit. And so we pretend to walk in the spirit. But we're not walking in the spirit. We're walking in pretense. Okay, that's over, people. That is not going to cut it through the Great Tribulation. It's either the real deal or it's no deal. And I'm here to tell you, I know a lot of people. I've been a believer a long time. And I know the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, we've all fallen to the ground. I, you know, and, and within the remnant, I think we're more aware of it than, than most. I think in the lives of the remnant whom the Lord is calling out of this, and he's calling them into the wilderness, he's calling them to the top of the mountains as a handful of corn, they are more aware than they've ever been of their total bankruptcy, their total inadequacy, their absolute need of Jesus Christ, his salvation, his living manna, his life, the, the living water, the power of the anointing. To, I cannot function without the Holy Spirit. You know, myself personally, uh, I am a broken mess without the Lord. I can't function in this world anymore. And so for me, fasting and prayer is like the, it's the lifeline. Yeah, of course you're hungry for a few days. I understand that. But you know what? Get over it. It's not that bad. You can do it. It's not as bad as being crucified or having your bones set on fire, okay? Really, it's not. And after the third day, you're not even hungry. You start feeling fantastic. And the spiritual breakthroughs that you're going to achieve, I mean, you know, you decide. What do you want? You want the Big Mac and cheese and uh, Coke and some fries? And you want me to supersize you in the flesh? Or... Do you want to fast and pray and see the baby saved? Have your children saved? Have your family saved? Which one is it? you want to eat the cow that was slaughtered? Or you want to save? Do you want to break through in the Spirit and bring the salvation of Jesus Christ to your family and friends that are about to be slaughtered? It's more important to you. Feeding your flesh? That, that spirit of gluttony, you know? We worship at that throne of gluttony. Every day, three times a day, and maybe a snack at night, and some popcorn, some ice cream. Or do we want to worship the throne of the Lord God Almighty? Right now, he says, show up in a solemn assembly and show up in time of prayer fast. So it's up to you guys. But I'm, I'm going to go. Because I got nothing at McDonald's that is of any value to me. McDonald's is death, folks. If that's... What, if that's your spiritual diet, you're dead. Well, isn't Just that what, isn't it pretense? It's pretend food. It is. Right? It's pretend food for a pretend people, you know, genetically modified corporate goop. But um, not to go off on the nutrition thing, but, you know, I don't know. And I hope what we shared tonight was a blessing to you all. Benjamin, we have um, another question in the chat room, if you have a moment. Um question yeah. is, is... Um, do you foresee a time where we need to get out of Dodge, or do we uh, stay in place? Well, define Dodge. 
Well, the answer is yes. In other words, um, many of us believe that America is in time Babylon. It is. It'll be destroyed in Revelation 18.4 in one hour. And the merchants of the earth will weep because there will be nobody to buy their wares. And uh, with that being the case, and we see what's uh, converging on America right now, do we uh, stay in the cities or do we flee America? Um, go to another country, go to Israel, uh, move to the mountains? What do we do? Well, That's a question there's from no the, one uh, size fit. There, there is not a one size fits all answer to that question. Because it's very clear from the scripture in Jeremiah 50, if you, you can read it for yourself, after the fall of Babylon America, at that time, God's people will go weeping and seeking the way to Jerusalem. So, you know, most of the people will be here when it collapses. Are we called to leave? The general commandment is to leave, yes, absolutely. Is everybody supposed to leave at the same time? No, clearly not, because a man's steps are ordered by the Lord, and, you know, most of us are still here. But, you know, and, and there isn't one admonition that, it, that pertains to every person. But, yes, generally, you should be leaving the cities. You know, generally, you should leave the country if you can. But that's just a general admonition. Um, you know, when a building's on fire... The general rule is to leave the building. But then there are firemen who are going the other direction. They're running into the burning building. So, you know, then they've got a ministry and a mission. So some people, you know, might surprise you the things the Lord would have people to do. But, you know, this is one of the reasons for the prayer and fasting and for the solemn assemblies. You know, you can't take my word for it. Because Micah chapter 7 tells you, trust not in a friend, place no confidence in a guide. Okay, So you can have no confidence in me. You can take what I've said, and then you can test it in the Word of God. And you can test it in prayer by the Holy Spirit. And then if the Lord confirms it, because you find it in His Word, then you can have confidence in the things I've said. Otherwise, you cannot trust me. You are commanded to trust no one, okay? And you need to get that one good, because it's going to be on the test. And if you flunk that part of the test, you are going to flunk the whole thing. You are not going to pass this test if you listen to other guides. So I can't tell you what God wants you to do. you got to hear from the Lord. I can tell you generally the Scripture says, thus and so. But, you know, it's said that. That's been true for 2,500 years. And God was calling people to leave Babylon before America even was Babylon. So, you know, obviously it wasn't God's will for the majority of the believers that have lived in the United States over the last 200 and some years up until this day. So whether it's God's will for you tomorrow, I can't tell you. I'll tell you, though, from my own perspective, one of the main things I'm fasting and praying about is, Lord, is it time to go? And if so, where? And yes, Jerusalem would be high on the list, or Edom and Moab would be high on my list of areas I would be praying about. 
But you guys go and, you know, search this out for yourself. Go and read Micah. I think it's chapter 7. If it's not 7, it's in chapter 5. Where, you know, and it's an end-time prophecy. It's very clear. Matter of fact, I'm just going to go there right now real quick. Cause do, do we have a minute for Micah? Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Me, for the Word of God. Let's Amen. go to Micah. Um, that was a good question out of the chat room there. Yeah, very um, good question. But it's real important that you guys get the right answer. Um, you don't want to get the wrong answer on this one. You'll flunk the test. You've got to hear from the Lord yourself. Micah 7, woe is me, I'm when they've gathered. I am as when they gathered the summer fruit. Okay, you guys, circle that word summer. You need to really be paying attention to the summer. And matter of fact, I would suggest do a word search and go see everything the Lord says about summer because it's at the end of a soon summer that most of us are going to figure out we were not saved in the flesh and we're on our way to the rehab camp. Um, but anyway, he's being gathered in the summer as the summer fruit, as the grape gleanings of the vintage. There's no cluster to eat. My soul desires the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth. There's none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asks and the judge asks for a reward. They're all corrupt. And the great man, he utters his mischiefs or corrupt desires, so they wrap it up. The best of them is a briar, the most upright, sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation comes. That's the visitation of the Lord. That's when the mountain burns. Now shall be their perplexity. And isn't that the time we're in? Do we stay? Do we go? Everybody's perplexed. If you haven't heard from the Lord and you don't know what to do, you're not going to figure it out with any certainty of your conclusion. You've got to hear from the Lord. And look what he says in verse 5, Micah 7, 5. Trust not in a friend. Put no confidence in a guide and keep the door of your mouth shut from her that lies in your bosom you know don't even tell your wife everything on the level of the family security matters until she needs to know you know if you were to leave i wouldn't even advertise your going i'd be very circumspect for the days are evil and then look at this verse six for the son dishonors the father the daughter rises up against the mother Man's enemies are the members of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I'll wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I just want to point out to you guys, Jesus Christ quoted this chapter, Micah 7, verse 6, in Matthew 24. Okay, the Lord only quoted a handful of Old Testament prophecies. You know, there's a couple of them that he quoted. This is one of them. Now, why would Jesus quote this? Well, one reason, this is going. This relates to the last days. This is a Matthew 24 kind of chapter. It's talking about the time of the end, the time of your visitation, the day of the watchman. You know, the watchmen have been warning for years, well, their day has finally come. The day of the Lord has come. And guess what the condition of the people is? The best of them is a briar, the most upright, sharper than a thorn hedge. Okay. None of us are where we need to be. That's the reason he's commanded the solemn assembly and fasting and prayer. We've got to get back to 
the place of holiness and total sanctification in him. But he also tells you, you are not to put any confidence in a guide. So, you know, I appreciate the question, and I can direct you to what the Scripture says, but you need to understand, and I'm sure all the listeners do, before you would place any confidence in anything, any man would say, you can't. You've got to go to the Lord. You've got to learn to hear from the Lord. You've got to know you heard from the Lord. Because whether you're staying inside the kingdom of the beast, or whether you're choosing to leave these countries and to go to another part of the world, either decision is huge. Yes. And you've got to know you heard the Lord. You can't be sitting there going, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we should go, but I don't know. Maybe we should stay. You know, we got, I like, we got a nice house. Maybe we should just stay. Uh, that's not a good reason to stay. You guys saw the movie The Pianist. You know, they were Jews in Poland when the oh, yeah. Germans invaded. and They didn't want to leave their house. Well, they left their house, right? The Germans made sure of it. They should have left on their own accord before they were forced to leave their houses. So, you know, I guess the Fantastic point Fantastic movie. Is, Fact. It was a great movie. Um, You've got to find the will of God now. You've got to get into the flow of the Spirit. You've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. You've got to learn to walk by the direction of the Lord. And you've got to ask the Lord that question. And that is the reason for the prayer and fasting. And I would suggest that we gather together in solemn assemblies and in times of prayer and fasting over the next seven weeks until we've all heard from the Lord. You know, Amen. If you Amen. take a 40-day fast to do it, then it'll be the best investment you've ever made. And, you know, if you've never fasted before, it's not that hard. Believe me, it's not. And... Um, you know, Shannon, I think you've put some stuff up on how to fast, and, you know, we've been over all that, and you guys can certainly look into it. And, um, and you know, it's God honors people that honor Him. And when you're fasting and praying and gathering together in solemn assemblies, and you're repenting from the bottom of your heart, and you're crying out to the Lord, Heaven hears. Jesus hears the cry of his people. And he responds. But when you're showing up and you're playing church and everybody's in the pretense, you know, we're all kind of just all being nice to each other, you know. Being spiritual. <laughs> yeah, we're all being real religious, you know. And, and But really, you know, everybody's sitting in this service Half the people are looking at their watch because they want to get home and watch the ball game. You know, these signs that shall follow those that believe, you know, in my name they will heal the sick, they will cast out devils, and they will raise the dead. Gee, you don't see that happening in those churches where the people want to get home to watch the game, do you? No. And, you know, those charismatic churches where the people, you know, believe they're walking in the Holy Spirit. A lot of those churches are full of people that are in deception. And a counterfeit spirit has come in. 
you know, the spirit of Antichrist is in there, and you know, and the people are like barking like dogs, and they're laughing, and they're having epileptic seizures, and you know, they got all these weird tattoos, you know, you know, and they like hit each other, bam, you know, to supposedly pray for you. The guy punch you in the face, knock your teeth out, yell bam, and thinks think that's the anointing. No, let me tell you, when the anointing comes. It isn't the people that go into an epileptic seizure. It's the building that shakes. It's the earth that quakes. I mean, I've been in times of prayer where the where the Lord came in the room and there was an earthquake and the whole building shook, not the people. Wow. Okay? Now, that's the real deal. This counterfeit kundalini spirit that's taken over much of the charismatic church. Friends... Why do you think the scripture says the best of them is a thorn hedge? We've all fallen to the ground. We have got to repent. We have all been brainwashed by the television programming and by the propaganda in the media and by the spirit of this age. We've all been deceived in part in different ways. The Lord warned us, take heed no man would deceive you. And you can even deceive yourself in this hour. And that's why the fasting and prayers so important. You know, in our, in our response in this window of time is so important because we're not going to get another window. This is it. Final count of the Omer. And the Lord's, you know, it says in the scripture, He's going to send fishers to fish them. Yes. To draw His people home. And after that, He's going to send hunters that will hunt for them. Well, the time of fishing for the souls of men is ending. When this summer ends, you're going to see some amazing things when this the economic order collapses chaos and the civil war comes martial law and the soldiers come the persecution's going to come and then they are going to come for you okay you're either going to be found hidden in the lord and under the protection of the shadow of his wing or they're going to find you walking in the flesh and if they find you in the flesh they're going to take you to the rehabilitation workshop. And you're going to do some fasting under circumstances that you would not prefer. But you will fast. And you will pray. You will cry out with all your heart. And your pretense will be destroyed. That whole veil of pretense will be smashed into a thousand pieces. And you will cry out from the bottom of your heart. The Lord's fire. I, I refer to it as God using a blowtorch and a wire brush to clean the people down to the bone. I don't know if you've ever had a wire brush on the bone before. I have. I've been in a major auto accident or a car, motorcycle accident. Had to have the wire brush done on the bone. It gets serious when they get the hammer and the nails and they get the blowtorches and they get the wire brushes out. And we're going to work this thing to the bone. I'm, 
I'm not trying to exaggerate. And, brother, at that time, people are going to realize everything that they thought was important was vanity. Yeah. It wouldn't save them. Exactly. The stuff we, you know, most of the stuff we've worried about and been concerned about during the course of our lives is garbage. You know what? Because when this fire comes, the only thing you're going to care about is is your family. Yes. Your children, your wife, your husband, your brothers, your sisters, your your friends, and the people that you love. That's what's going to matter. And you know what? God's given us the heads up. We've got a chance to get ready and to prepare to walk through this fire by the power of the Spirit. You see, there is a remnant that's going to overcome. And they don't need to be burned in the fire because they're already clean. Remember what Jesus said? I will protect. That which is mine. Okay. Now, look at your life. Look at your temple, your body. Does it belong to the Lord? Is it used for the Lord's service? Is it the temple he chooses to occupy when he comes in visitation? Or is it still in compromise? Does it still belong to the spirit of pornography? Does it still belong to the spirit of lust? Does it still belong to another spirit of anger or unforgiveness or unbelief or any you know what they are? Does it belong to a sin that you're still compromised in? If it does, then you better get busy because it won't be very long before the summer has ended and the Lord will begin his strange work and he'll bring to pass his strange act, which is the judgment of his own people, in order to bring them to sanctification. See, the wedding feast is about to begin. And everyone that's been invited must put on a robe of white. You must come to the wedding feast in the proper garments. And so the Lord is going to get us ready for the wedding feast. And you know, if we go through the rehab camp, there's nothing to fear in what the men can do to us. The Lord is merely taking us there for the purposes of his kingdom. We come out glowing. So don't fear what men could do to you. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because the Lord, not only can the Lord bring his judgment in any different way. But i got to tell you, friends, God, we should do another show, Shannon. Man. I can't even touch this subject on the, the ways that the Lord has dealt with and is going to deal with the believer. And you know, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Even the most darkest hour. And believe me, if you end up in the detention system and you end up being martyred, it's going to look like a dark hour to you. You will feel like you were in your darkest hour. You will have a Garden of Gethsemane moment. You will know what the Lord dealt with. 
because you're going to deal with the same thing in the sense of being arrested and persecuted to the point of the loss of your life. But you know what else you're going to experience? The power of a resurrection. You're going to experience the power of God the Father and the power of the blood of Jesus to raise your life and you will be transformed as he is and raised in glory. So let's not, you know, get this out of focus. You know, it's not about saving our flesh. It's about glorifying the Lord. It's just that the time of the flesh is ending soon. And the time of the kingdom is about to begin we got to put off the deeds of the flesh, and we got to put off the mind of the flesh, and we got to put off the waves of the flesh. And you're going to put them off, because they are ending. The Lord has decreed that the time of the flesh is over. As he said to Noah, 120 years, the end of all flesh shall come. Well, every prophetic word is a prophecy of two fulfillments. And the 120 years in our generation, is 120 jubilees. And there have been 120 of them. And the 120 jubilees are over. And now the end of all flesh has come. The Lord has been so gracious to warn us in advance that the end of all flesh is coming upon us. And it begins in the life of his remnant, in which the end of the mind of the flesh will come first because they're the first fruits they go to maturity first they put the flesh to death first and the end of flesh the end of all of their flesh comes before the end of the world of flesh comes upon the whole earth and that's what fasting unlocks the end of the flesh. You are starving your flesh. After a few days, the flesh loses its voice. And, you know, while you're fasting, brothers and sisters, when you get hungry, go in your prayer closet and say, Father, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm following your instructions. And I hunger. And I ask for living manna for the living bread that comes out of heaven and if you don't feed me today father i'm not going to eat and i'm thirsty in the spirit i need living water and if you don't give me something to drink i'm going to be thirsty all day and you see for yourself what your father does when you ask him for bread and water and you're fasting, you're putting to death the mind of the flesh so that you could exalt the name of Jesus and so that you could break down the authority of the kingdom of Satan and you could bring the will and the kingdom of God into your little corner of this planet, I will tell you, the Father in heaven will answer you and you will be given living bread that comes out of heaven and you will be given living water and you can put off the flesh for a few days. 
it's a lot easier than once you've done it. You look back and it's, it's a tremendous blessing. And every person that has sought the Lord in fasting and prayer and is gathered together in a solemn assembly has looked back and said that was some of the best days of my life. So I would encourage everybody, you know, pray and ask the Lord, how would you have me do this? And, um, and be blessed and rejoice and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Man, I'm speechless tonight. I think this is one of the best programs we've had on Omega Man Radio since our beginning. Brother, I mean, the truth has just been pouring out tonight. Well, you know, I, we didn't Sobering. plan this, Shannon. <laughs> we didn't even plan this. I just called you to tell you, hey, let's pray about doing a solemn assembly, right? Amen. We were just talking, and you just mentioned, well, i got an open show tonight, so we did this. You know, brother, the, I had no uh, this there was no plan of any of this. These are the best programs when you let the Holy Spirit flow. Right, folks? You know, the word says be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. And how do we renew our mind? By getting in God's word and folks, we've got to be transformed to get into heaven. We've got to take off yeah. these garments and put on his garments. Well, we've got to be transformed to walk through what's coming, too. Amen. And so either we can we can uh, start doing some work on ourselves right now, repenting, fasting, getting deliverance, reading God's Word, getting in our prayer closet, and get ourselves prepared, or we may find ourselves going through summer school in the death camp. Yeah, you're not going to want to go to summer school. And you definitely... And, but if you have to go, you know what? Go and do a good job. Amen. But if you're a mom or a dad and you've got kids, you know, if you won't do it for yourself, how about your children? God have mercy. You know? No, brother, even those that go to summer school and they, and they uh, make it through, they pass and graduate, but, uh, man, you miss your summer vacation. <laughs> you do you do give up a lot to end up in summer school. Yeah, you know, it's better to be in the remnant. It's way better to be part of the final move than to be somebody the Lord had to put in a furnace in order to clean, in order to make you ready for the kingdom. Yeah, you don't want to go that way if you can avoid it. God, have mercy. Well, Brother Shannon... Thank you for um, awesome. opportunity to be on. Awesome program tonight, brother. Praise God for you. And, uh, folks, if you would like to uh, see a conference in the Montana area, write in and let us know. Let us know if this is something you'd be interested in attending so we can kind of get a head count and make some plans and be in prayer with us. Uh, we're brother, talking about May, right? We're thinking probably in the month of May. So coming quick. This is not a next, you know, like late summer idea. Where this is next month. Man, this whole time frame moving quick. God have mercy on us. Well, it is. The count of the Omer is about to begin, and you know, boom, we're going to be in Shavuot in the summer, and then, and then we're going to be, we're going to be in it in the fall. You know, uh, I had a guy uh, I was speaking to today, and um, he said, "Hey, you were right about that silver and gold thing, weren't you?" Now that wasn't to me. <laughs> 
who uh, knew anything about the markets, I had been listening to you, Benjamin, and folks like Steve Quill and others, and uh, I said, yeah, if you had gotten in, uh, you could have tripled your money. And he was just sitting there amazed. Uh, you know, people are in shock that uh, some of these warnings are starting to take place. And, folks, it's more than just the money market. You know, these things that you've been heard about for a long time, you're going to start seeing come to pass. Oh, yeah. I remember, Benjamin, you said a long time ago, you said there's a day coming where all that we may be able to keep is what we're carrying on our back as we're getting into a boat. <laughs> right. And I look around and I say, wow, all these things that we take, uh, you know, we, we think are important. Folks, uh, you know, what if God told you to pack your bags and you had to leave in five minutes? What would you take with you? You know, uh, but the only thing that we can take with us is what we put on, written on the tables of our hearts. Everything else could perish around us. We could be separated from. That's the most important expenditure of your time, folks, right now, drawing close to the Lord, being able to hear his voice, writing his word on the tables of your heart. Amen. Spending some time with your lost loved, with your loved ones. Well, yeah, because, you know, if you do have to go to summer school, as you call it, Shannon, you know, that final part of the test is going to be a hard final. And it's not going to be an open book test. They're not going to give you a Bible. So you really might want to memorize some of the scripture because, you know, when you're in the hardest part of the test, you're really going to want the Word, you know, as a source of comfort and for and for life and for authority. And it's not going to be an open book test anymore. They're going to take the book away from you guys. God have mercy. Oh, yeah. Amen. But, you know, the Lord said, Behold, I've told you all of this beforehand. Amen. So, you know, we won't be saying, Wow, Lord, you know, we were so surprised. No, he's told us everything. Amen. He told us we should have seen it coming and prepared. Yeah, he's even told us the timing now. Right. It you know, we're not guessing. The night. This, thing's, this thing's about to begin. This is not a guess. It's not a forecast. It's not a projection. It's a fact. It's a fact. You know, God's so merciful, you know, that he's telling all of his children, get ready. Get ready. Amen. So Shannon, God bless you. God bless you, brother. Would you honor us and close it, uh, this portion of the program in prayer? Uh, sure, yeah. Father, we do thank you that you always hear our prayers and that you are a faithful father. You're a good Father. You're a holy God. You're altogether righteous and true, and in all your ways there's no shadow of change, nor any turning. And Lord, you've called us to be holy, even as our Father in heaven is holy. And Lord, we need your help. We need the power of your Spirit. We need your direction on what to do. But we pray that you would lead each of us in a time of prayer and fasting during this counting of the Omer into a time of solemn assemblies that we could gather together with others, like-minded, true believers, that we could seek your face, that we could hear from you, and that we could be made ready to walk through the fire that is about to begin. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all of your warnings, for your gracious 
kindness and concern for each of our lives. We bless you and we worship you, Lord, and we give you thanks for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, Benjamin, before you go, would you give out your website and also uh, a question? Are there any copies of the Day of the Lord is at hand still available out there? Well, there are. Um, the best way to get them is on Amazon.com. And just type in Benjamin Brook or the Day of the Lord is at hand. Um, and the website is BenjaminBaruch.com. And... Um, you know, somebody's been putting all these audio files up on YouTube, Shannon. Really? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I would encourage people, if you go and just type Benjamin Baruch into YouTube, all of the different Omega Man shows that we've done are all Oh, yes, Mr. Nice. Yeah, who is this? Uh, he's he's a, a great uh, program, and uh, you know what? We tell people, uh, feel free to put these uh, shows up in any archive out there, including Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so, amen. Awesome. Hey, well, um, and this will be rebroadcast. It'll be like a podcast thing so people can oh, absolutely. hear it anytime. Absolutely. These shows, uh, right after the conclusion, go up in MP3, and you can download them off of uh, Mega Man Radio or iTunes. Uh, Great. Free. Amen. God bless you for coming on tonight, Benjamin. Oh, thank you. Shalom. Folks, that was Benjamin Brook. Man, what a great program tonight. Uh, I was a few words tonight. I was just sitting in absorbing. And uh, this is a true message tonight. I praise God for the brother. And uh, keep him in prayer. BenjaminBrook.com is his website. He wrote a book called The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And um, I wanted to make sure that um, we uh, gave out that information. If you'd like to get a copy of that book, uh, as he mentioned, it's up on Amazon and I just praise God for for brothers and sisters that will preach the truth. Uh, it's not popular right now to preach the truth because the truth, truth in the Word of God, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It goes down and pierces to the very marrow, and um, it doesn't tickle your ears. It confronts you with a decision. That has to be made. Will you accept the truth and make the necessary modifications to your life to include repentance, shun sin, and making the decision to sell out for the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you say, Lord, not right now, another day perhaps, and then you roll over and go back to sleep in the matrix? Many never wake up again. Today is the day of salvation. If you have not made a decision for Jesus Christ, this could be God giving you a final opportunity to make that decision. Not to scare you, but no one is guaranteed tomorrow. I personally know four people who died within a week of each other. Three of them died on the same day. My grandmother was among them, and, of course, she was promoted. God took her to home, a fruit gathering, as she told me. She said, there's going to be fruit gatherings. I believe fruit gatherings have started. God is taking some people out. And he's saying, you've run the course. you fought the good fight. You've endured till the end. Now I'm going to graduate you with honors. And um, 
you know, I looked and I said, wow, I didn't even see that coming. And for many people, they didn't see death coming. You know, there was someone in the hospital, uh, in the same room actually for a time with my grandmother, and uh, some of the family came in and they saw the death angel standing in the corner waiting for their father. He was in the 70s. The death angel. My grandmother saw it and screamed. Um, of course, she let out a, you know, a well in the spirit. Don't know if that man made it or not. But uh, I, I can I only hope that he did. If he didn't, he uh, doesn't have a second chance. Like this uh, heretic preacher up on Facebook uh, that I found that says um, that, hey, hell's not real. God wouldn't send anybody there. And then all of us make it regardless. Folks, that's a lie from the pits of hell. His name was Rob Bell. Rob Bell. Uh, teaching apostasy. Run from teachers like that. Anybody that departs from the Word of God, run. And um, if you've fallen into some doctrine error, error, I have at times, repent. Repent. And then pick up yourself and keep on going and walk in truth. There is no get-out-of-hell-free card, folks. That just does not exist. If you deny Jesus Christ, he will deny you before his Father. That's what the Word says. If you deny me before man, I will also deny you before my Father. That's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you take the mark of the beast in the days ahead, folks, you will go to hell. That's an absolute certainty. All right? If you want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there is no forgiveness for that. You will go to hell. If you reject Jesus Christ and put him off another day and your spirit leaves the body, there is no purgatory. Okay, there is no halfway house, limbo, as the Catholics call it. No. To be absent from the body is to be either present with the Lord Jesus Christ and Yahweh God the Father, or you're going to be in hell. Gehenna, waiting to be called for final judgment to be thrown into the lake of fire. When when everyone um, stands and gives an accounting, of course the righteous they receive rewards. The unrighteous they receive a reward for their sin. It's called eternal judgment in the lake of fire, where the worm dies not, and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Utterly cut off from God for eternity. No no end. Eternity never ends. So we need to make a decision, because we're not guaranteed that the city that we live in might not be the, that won't be the city that, uh, like in Japan, a disaster took them out, even as they slept. Like in Costa Rica, when the uh, mountainside buried people alive in their beds. They only retrieved them days later. It was all she wrote for them. We need to make a decision. You need to make a decision if you haven't done this already. And as simple as asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you. Just confess to the Lord what you've done wrong. Maybe you've been a liar, 
a fornicator, a thief, a drunkard, a homosexual, an adulterer, whatever the case may be, a drug user. Maybe you've committed an abortion. Maybe you go around and you gossip and you lie. All liars will have their place in the in the hell. We've got to repent. We've got to stop believing these sins. We've got to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us. Come into our heart. Be our Savior. And that's not where it stops, folks. That entitles you to things like deliverance. Because deliverance is children's bread. And speaking of deliverance, you don't get delivered just so you go back and have a quick fix to go back and live like you were before. You know, it's like the people who get uh, transplants. You know, liver transplants, kidney transplants. Um, and then you hear some of them go back, you know, because they were smoking or drinking. Then they go back and they do it again. No, it's not so you can go back and repeat the same error. Not a for some people. They're not ready. They haven't gotten tired of their sin. They haven't gotten a situation where they actually hate the de- demons inside of them. Maybe they're still in that love-hate relationship. You know, they're they're uncomfortable. They're they're aggravated with you know things that are going on, but they don't hate it enough to sell out to Jesus Christ and forsake the sin, to repent, to forgive. Maybe your only problem is you need to forgive somebody. And until you do that, and you're ready to do that, you won't get the deliverance you're seeking for. You've got to be absolute honest with yourself, with God. God already knows everything about you and I, what we've done in secret, what we're thinking in our minds and our hearts. He looks at our hearts. And so, hey, best policy, just be honest with God. Say, God, I've, I've missed it. And you've got to be willing to repent. If you're willing to repent, you're desperate to see a change. Then you're a candidate for deliverance, and you will get the deliverance you're looking for. You're right. And you know what? It's, it's, it's like my grandmother always said. We must sell out. Sell out to Jesus Christ. Sell out mean, doesn't mean 50%. That's lukewarm. You'll be spit out of Jesus' mouth. I would that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I would spit you out of my mouth. You don't accept Christ just as an insurance policy, as many are today. Well, you know what? I'm not going to give my life to the Lord, but, you know, just in case, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ so that uh, my plan doesn't work out and it backfires on me and I just happen to die one day prematurely. I'll make it into heaven. That's not how it works, folks. It's a commitment. All or nothing. We must be willing to die to ourselves. We must be willing to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. To pick up a cross means you're going to die. You must die to yourself daily. When you're a dead man, it doesn't matter. You you don't worry about what man can do to you. You're already dead in Christ. And you know to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, and for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's who the enemy hates, are those that are not afraid to die for Jesus Christ, because he can't do anything to them. 
they will willingly die as martyrs for Christ because they know to die is gain. Satan's terrified. It's like the kamikaze pilots. You know, we couldn't do anything to stop them because they, they were ready to give their lives. All you could do is hope you could shoot them out of the air. And many of them got through and, you know, they carried their mission out to, the, to their death. When you're ready to lay your life down, then the enemy gets scared. And so that's what Jesus Christ has asked us to do. Lay our lives down and surrender it to him. Meaning, you know, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. I will put on hold what I want to do because you've called me to live for you. To preach the gospel. That can put people out of the fire. It's like some of these people that called in last night that are century of devil worshipers. Many of these people just think, you know, it's, hey, it's the cool thing. It's in, you know, I want to be a vampire. I want to be a. One, I remember when it was the goth, you know, they walk around with white face paint. Okay? And then it, now it's vampires or, you know, I want to sleep in a coffin. You know, I want, I want to, you know, some people um, think that, you know, that's just the. It's, it's vogue. It's a cool thing to do. It's a cool thing to be a witch. It's a cool thing to be in Santeria. I can even make money in Santeria. I can charge people and perform ceremonies. They have to pay me big bucks. You know, there's always some gimmick to draw you in. But it's a slippery slope, and it'll take you to the pit of hell. Now, I just, you know, I think it's cool. I want to be a pagan. I want to be, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a vegan. I don't have anything against people that want to eat vegetables, but you know that's there's a whole cult designed around abstaining from meats. I used to work with some people, and I had a job interview one time, and it was interesting. The uh, I found the job on Monster.com, a media buyer in Austin, Texas, and I'll never forget the day that uh, you know I was working and uh, looking for a better job. This phone call comes in. And it says, would you like to interview? And so I called, and the uh, CEO, CFO, rather, he says, uh, I want to tell you something about this company. Uh, most of them are vegetarians. And so if you like to eat meat, and he says, I enjoy a good steak. How about you? And I said, oh, yeah, I love steak. He said, well, if you're going to bring something in, you have to put it in a separate refrigerator. And I thought that was kind of odd. When I got there, I found out what it was going on. Most of them were vegans, and, I mean, they made a, made a religion out of it. They would listen to songs about, uh, you know, music of uh, cows dying at the slaughterhouses. And uh, I went out one day for lunch with one of my bosses, and they took me out to a uh, a pizza parlor. And if I'm going to eat pizza, folks, I want to eat some beef. Okay, I gave up pepperoni, but um, <laughs> I, don't, I try not to eat the pork if I can help it. it. Tastes good, but I try not to eat it. It's not good for you. So, you know, I ordered, uh, I think I ordered pepperoni pizza or beef pizza or something at that point in time. And he looked over me and started to cry. And I said, what's wrong, Steve? And he says, uh, that could be my granny that you're eating. I said, what? And he believed that, uh, of course, you get reincarnated and you come back, you come back as a cow. And because I was eating beef or pepperoni pizza, I was possibly eating his granny. How would I know? And he started to cry. <laughs> it was horrible. I don't know how I get off on that. But uh, what I'm saying here is, uh, you know, people, they get involved in the things, and it leads to death. 
death of their soul. You know, you don't play with witchcraft, Santeria, Wicca, um, Ekankar, like I saw on a poster board today, soul travel. That's getting popular without getting burned. You may not be fortunate enough that God shows you mercy and gives you an opportunity to repent before the Spirit leaves your body. Satan is looking for an opportunity to kill you before you have a chance to repent. But with standing in the mercy of God or somebody that's standing in the gap for you in your family and praying for you, you would come in back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He may, Satan may take you out and you're dead and it's over with, game over. So we need to redeem the time. We need to take this opportunity while we still can turn on lives of the Lord Jesus and do it. And, you know, not making a decision is making a decision. Well, can't you say, well, I'm just going to put it on hold? No, you can't do that. If you put it on hold, then you made a decision for, for Satan. It's it's one way or the other. What are you going to choose is the question. You know, we don't have a lot of time left in the in the grand scheme of things. What are we going to do? We better make our time count. Get right with the Lord. Be ready to meet him at any moment. Even if a nuke goes off down the road, it doesn't matter. Because you're going to get your promotion. Be absent body to be present with the Lord. Or if you know, you're caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. A shootout or a tsunami or a volcano or a civil war. Biological attack. doesn't matter. You know, There's casualties of war. There will be Christians that die in, in these things, plagues, even the days ahead. You know, sometimes people go down on the battlefield. But that's okay. You, you'll be you'll be with the Lord in the moment of twinkling of an eye. My grandmother had vision. One time people were hiding out in the country, in an old country house, and the soldiers surrounded. They came in and gave everybody shots. And as they gave them a shot, their, their bodies slipped and hit the ground. And it was like... Uh, Grum of the soul, their spirits immediately rise back up. And, you know, the Lord showed her, hey, we're never going to die. They may kill your flesh, but your spirit, man, rises up and, and you know, you leave your body, you're in the presence of the Lord. Otherwise, you're in hell, waiting to see the Lord to be thrown in hell into the lake of fire. My point is, is they can kill your body. Don't fear those who can kill your body, but fear him who can kill your body and kill your soul in fire. In hell. That's the Lord God. Fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's what we need to do. Solomon, the smartest man ever lived, he summed it up like this. Fear and obey the Lord. Everything else is vanity. Um, We better make sure that we know where we'll spend eternity when we go to bed tonight. We may not wake up. I have no idea if I wake up tomorrow. Only God knows our future. So get your priorities right, number one, with the Lord, and then number two, I think this whole concept of prayer and fasting, solemn assembly is a good one, dispel confusion for many people. Not everybody has the same mission from God. Not everybody will be going to the same locations. Okay, God gives some one talent, others five, some ten. Some of you have been called to do a particular job assignment these last days. And withstanding that, 
The general command is clear. Preach the gospel, cast out devils, and lay hands on the sick, and raise the dead. Move in the gifts of the Spirit. So uh, we do need to know, like never before, what God would have each of us to do, where he'd have us to be. We need God to open up the right doors, shut the wrong doors, not let us be deceived. And to keep us alert, watch and pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. See the sign of the Son of Man coming in, the clouds. I believe that's how the verse goes. Don't let it take you like a thief in the night. It's not talking about a uh, pre-trib rapture either. We should know what's going to happen ahead of time. I mean, it should not come and catch us by surprise off guard. With our pants down to our ankles. We should be prepared. um, And be ready. If God says, hey, I've called you to sacrifice yourself. In other words... Lay your life down for me. Well, it's an honor. Eleven of twelve disciples all gave their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we owe him any less? So, um, it's a sobering time. I know I'm contemplating my future. I'm asking God, God, am I on the right track? What will you have me to do? Please tell me if I'm on the wrong road, make an adjustment. You know, I have to understand the footsteps of rights men are order of the Lord. So we've got we to gotta have faith. We can't um, be moved by our emotions all the time. Just because you may not feel saved doesn't mean you're not saved. Okay, you've got to go by the word of God. You've got to have faith. And you've got to realize Satan can also manipulate your mind. We've got to be on guard. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to transform our mind by staying in God's word, staying close to God. So we can hear him. So uh, I guess that's my uh, mini sermonette for for tonight. I praise God for everybody out there that's tuning in. Um, do your part and spread the word. Tell three friends about Omega Man Radio. Invite some people to tune in. Even if you just sent them a link to the show. Maybe they can't be here live. Send them a link to the show. Um, I spoke to uh, Pastor Carl Henderson today. He's going to be coming on very soon before he goes back to the Philippines and preaching, doing a training on the healing part of uh, Elijah Challenge. Uh, I've got actually William Lau of the Elijah Challenge coming on next Wednesday to do a training. I talked to Prophet Scott Lather, one of the few men of God that I consider a true prophet. Him and Dr. Jonathan Hansen, uh, Henry Groover, of course, Demetri Dudeman, who went on. And, and uh, Scott Lathrop is going to be... Uh, Coming on the program, I'll get him for three hours <laughs> before he leaves the country and goes over to minister in the Ukraine. Uh, we're also wanting to do uh, a conference in New York City, in addition to Montana. Also, would like to uh, join the Pastor Henderson on uh, Nsika Yor Philippines for an attack on Witches Island. There's a lot of things we'd like to do. Pray with us that God uh, open the doors and. Uh, if you would like to contact us by email, email is omegamanradio at yahoo.com. Website, omegamanradio.com. Same on Facebook, Omega Man Radio, or on iTunes. Very simple to find us. Make sure you click on follow 
on the Blog Talk um, page, and that will alert you anytime we've got a new show scheduled. If there's someone you'd like us to bring on, send me an email. We'll try to get them and bring them on. www.publications.com for some great deliverance material from Wynn Worley. www.publications.com. I want to plug that tonight. Uh, also, John Kyle will be on tomorrow night at 8 p.m. live with us. We'll be doing a mass deliverance. We'll be preaching, and then we're going to be taking some phone calls and praying and doing deliverance with folks. Uh, if you have written me an email and I have not responded, I uh, am going to try and get back to everybody as quick as I can. Uh, I have been uh, moving every day this week. Um, I had uh, six storage units. Can you believe I had six storage units with personal effects and some things in there that uh, I had no place to store for a period of about two years as I lived overseas. And uh, I'm trying to consolidate that, save a little bit of money. So... Me and a cousin, we've been using the U-Haul past couple of days and moving, and uh, I have not been able to catch up on my emails. So um, I'm hoping to uh, answer everybody back, and if you've requested deliverance, uh, we'll certainly be calling you back and pray with you anywhere that you may be in the world. And it's funny, speaking of uh, storage units, I went in and I, I couldn't believe that I was um, paying for junk. And you look at stuff you amass, and you say, wow, why did I hang on to this? Or what a waste, you know? I don't even use this anymore. Um, I'm evaluating my whole life, and I'm thinking, hey, does this even mean anything? You know, these things that I thought were important, and I realized, you know, other than the work of God, nothing's going to last. What we need to do is we need to focus on things that uh, moth can't eat, the rust can't corrupt and the thief can't steal, and that's the work of the Lord. And that's plucking souls out of the fire of hell. That's leading people to Jesus Christ. Because it says that he that wins souls is wise. It says if you give even a child a cup of cold water, you will in no wise lose your reward. We've got to remember that there's people out there that uh, we can make an impact on, that we can help. We've got to do something while we can. Otherwise, we're going to have to give an accounting why we didn't do it, what the Lord told us. What are we going to say? God, because I, I wanted to watch the football, baseball games. I wanted to go hang out with my friends over at Starbucks and drink a Frappuccino. Oh, Lord, I, I couldn't because I was watching America's Choppers or American Idol. I couldn't do that because we need to go to the movies with my friends, and I didn't want to let them down. I was down here at the club or, you know, whatever the excuse is. God have mercy on us. But you know what? It doesn't matter what we've done. If we're sincere and we're sorry, we can repent tonight turn it around. And Jesus Christ will forgive you and I. And when we're forgiven, he doesn't remember it anymore. Praise God for his mercy. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So we ran out of time tonight. Um to take uh, live calls, but uh, call back in tomorrow night. Uh, is tomorrow Friday already? Mike, what is today? Let me check my calendar. Yeah, today's Thursday. I can't believe it. This week's week's almost gone again. Tomorrow night is John Kyle, and then Saturday, uh, Charles Costello, Real Deliverance, and uh, Open Alliance, both shows, if you'd like prayer. be honored to pray with you. 
And uh, yeah, keep me in prayer. Um, believe me, there are attacks coming. We took on uh, I, t- I took I took on last night Santeria in California and Arizona with Brother John Ramirez. Powerful show. And the believe me, the devil worshippers were not happy. But uh, you know what? We had to tell them the truth uh, because there are people just like just like you and I, and they're deceived, and uh, they're on the way to hell if they don't repent. So. Got to, pe- got to tell people the truth, even if it offends them. What will you say when they slip out into eternity? And then one day they look at you and say, why didn't you warn me? We've, we've got a, a responsibility. Tell them the truth, and if they hear the truth, the truth will set them free. Well, God bless you tonight, and uh, we'll see you on the next edition of Omega Man Radio. God bless you. <laughs> 